What's up, guys? It's a vigorous Q&A from the Link Experience Hotel in Las Vegas, America. Guys, um, well, nobody's checking in so far, so let's see what's going to happen over the next couple of hours. Uh, fingers crossed the internet connection is solid. Okay, two people here. Guys, please let me know how the audio and video uh, looks. I did my best to kind of set it up and make everything look nice. So I got a little microphone off camera here. And hopefully it's at the right angle to um, make you guys listen as we're going to go through these questions. So, guys, please let me know how the audio looks and or how the video looks and the audio sounds. And then we're going to proceed. Um, let's see. Audio, all good. Okay, that gives me the green lights to go ahead. In the meantime, I'm going to flip my phone upside down because I had to post a video of me training at Torture Gym. Because uh, you can't miss the upload window on Instagram, right? Okay, guys, let's get started with the questions. Alvaro J. Dominicus asks, Hey, Steve, hope your trip in Los Angeles is going great. Uh, I didn't go to Los Angeles yet. that will be at the end of my trip. My question is, at, uh, the second part of the question asked in the previous Q&A, how do you go about transitioning from a mass phase to a holding phase in terms of diet and performance-enhancing drugs? Okay, so... You've been doing a mass phase for a while. You've been holding on that size and strength and overall muscularity for a couple weeks to months, ideally three months. So let's say you bulked up to 240 or 275, 300 pounds. You hold it there for a couple months and then you need to transition, right? You need to clean out. You need to bring the, the, the steroids down. You need to improve your blood work parameters, maybe reduce a little bit of this intestinal mass and this overall bloat. Although, you know, if you reach a certain body weight, you probably... Uh, recomposition over the two, three, four months that you're holding on to that weight. So if you're going to transition from that mass phase to a holding phase, it's basically very simple. You drop down your calories slightly to restore insulin sensitivity for maybe two to four weeks, slight mini diet. You reduce your performance enhancing drugs from whatever cycle you were on to a TRT dose for bodybuilders that is, that it's TRT plus, plus, plus perhaps. Let's say you ended up at 270 pounds, you're going to stick with 270 milligrams testosterone and beta recipient. I still feel that for a cruise or holding phase, a one milligram per one pound of body weight is a, a good guideline. And if that means that you end up injecting 300 milligrams of tests or 250 milligrams of tests for sake of convenience, because that's a concentration of the underground lab or pharmaceutical product that you have, um, right? That's a concentration per one milliliter. So let's say you go down to one mil a week. Could be 200 milligrams per one milliliter if you're going with pharmaceutical test sip or 300 milligrams per one milliliter if you're going with underground lab testosterone anything or maybe homebrew test e so whatever you end up at it's a cruising period right now it doesn't mean you're going to lose a boatload of size you're going to lose mass and fluid right bloat and fluid so if you're coming off the cycle you have a four to six week grace period i would say where your hormone levels are still elevated since you're on testosterone annotates, nandrolone, boldenone, whatever you're running in the off-season primo, that's self-tapering. So for the next four to six weeks, you're still good. Your hormone levels will still be elevated. During this time, you can kind of clean up your diet, restore your insulin sensitivity, and then when you're on the actual dose of your cruising protocol, so let's say 200 to 300 milligrams of test, two to three IUs of growth hormone, maybe some insulin to match, Maybe it would be better to take your insulin out for two weeks to kind of restore insulin sensitivity. As your weight and bloat is coming down, as soon as you notice that the strength is coming down, the food is coming up again, you put the insulin back in and you just hold it there, right? 
Now you're holding it on a dose of performance enhancing drugs that allows your blood work parameters and your overall health to come back down to baseline. And when it is in baseline, you need to hold that for two to three months. I don't believe in this four week off period, that's usually not enough. At the end of a mass phase, uh, your sleep quality is probably not as good. You probably are in anadrol or super low at the end to push past strength plateaus. Your rheumatic rate is poorly elevated. Um, you know, if you have a sleep app machine that could usually mitigate some of the sleep issues and the high hematic, but if you don't have that, do your sleep study ASAP. And, you know, in this holding phase, you're basically ensuring that your body fat level stays somewhat similar or maybe come down slightly as long as you can sustain the strength around 90%, right? Will you get weaker? Of course, especially if you finish the off-season with uh, Supertrol, Halotestin, or Anadrol, to kind of kick ass uh, before you uh, throw in the towel and uh, focus on your health. So your strength will come down slightly, your mass will come down slightly, intestinal mass bloat. Um, but all in all, you should set yourself up for next mass phase where your metabolism is high enough to get started right away and your strength is high enough to get started right away as soon as the steroids go from 200 to 300 milligrams test E and a couple of units of GH and insulin to an actual real steroid cycle, right? So this is cyclical, slow and steady adjustments. And as the adjustments take place, uh, you shouldn't lose any real muscle mass. You shouldn't lose any real strength. Um, but of course it will come down slightly because the drugs are coming out, which isn't the end of the world. Right? You're basically having this holding phase to set yourself up, set yourself up for next mass phase. Let's see. Next one. Social Justice Warrior asks, Sub Steve, oh, Sub Sir, how's your trip going so far? How is firing a gun? So unfortunately, I didn't get a time to uh, go to the shooting range yet. I'm in Las Vegas now, so I might go to the shooting range. But uh, it kind of depends on my wife because she's not really into shooting guns. Um, I wanted to shoot some guns with Scott McNally, but we are only in Detroit for one day. And then we had to go to the Swiss Symposium. So uh, we didn't get around to do that yet. And otherwise, it's not the end of the world if, the, if I don't get to shoot guns. Um, we can always do that later. Uh, I mean, sip some water. The Las Vegas is very dry. Dry, dry air. So you get, you know, a lot of dry mouth, cotton mouth. All right, let's see. Uh, where are we? I'm just going to go top to bottom and then I'll get to the questions that you guys are posting here in the chat. Lucas asks, you're the fucking man, Steve. Right, thank you. I'm taking my son, 22 years old, to the CMA show in Las Vegas on the 3rd. Yeah, that's November 3rd. I'll already be gone. I'm leaving on November 1st because it's the Olympia on uh, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's true because the 5th is Sunday and then I'm taking a fucking day off. You'll probably be gone. Uh, but if not, I'd love to thank you for all your work you put into the uh, fitness community and everything I've learned from you. Okay. So, yeah, I'll be gone. Um, I hope you have a great time with your son at the SEMA show. And, uh, you know, if you want to see me, just follow me on Instagram and YouTube. Me and Chase Irons are going to document you Olympia the best way we can. Hopefully, we won't get kicked out live streaming from the VIP area. Differingus asks, uh, if low sexual bonding globulin means you just excrete the unbound androgens, do very high androgen doses counterbalance and loss. So yeah, that's, that's part of the idea. Just keep in mind, you also have albumin. And even though androgens and estrogens weakly bind to albumin, they're still acting as a uh, transporting uh, serum protein. So just because SHBG is low, doesn't mean you don't get adequate, don't get adequate adequate that's the word adequate nice one steve doesn't mean that you don't get adequate transportation of the androgens 
sex hormone binding globulin might be low in serum because you have a long amount, a long, Jesus Christ, a lot of androgens, but if the production of sex hormone binding globulin in the liver is still high and the sex hormone binding globulin binding to the receptor complex is still high, um, you might still get adequate effects. So just because SAVG is low in serum doesn't mean um, you have a boatload of unbound antigens. It might mean that, you know, the transportation is just increased, right? And ideally, you know, the scientific literature, you know, if the internet connection is a bit slow, it's because I'm on hotel internet. Um, it might mean that the literature or the literature hasn't been performed on SHBG production in the liver, SHBG transport through the bloodstream, and SHBG binding to the receptor complex on skeletal muscle and other tissue that has a receptor complex for SHBG to bind to, whether it has androgens bound to it or not. So it's just part of the picture. Ideally, I would say that, you know, serum SHBG levels are a good representation of how much SHBG you have in your system. Um, but still, it's not the full story, right? I mean, same with testosterone. If testosterone is high in serum, it doesn't mean it's getting to the androgen receptor. I mean, when you see men with androgen um, insensitivity, they have some sort of genetic polymorphism that the androgen receptor doesn't bind testosterone properly, or they don't have some androgen receptors to begin with, then serum testosterone levels are sky high. But it doesn't mean you're getting sky high uh, testosterone effects, you know? So in serum, it's just an indication of what's going on, but we really have to go by the results, right? Ultimately, we don't treat or um, kind of diagnose the numbers on paper. We diagnose the person running these steroids. So potentially SHBG, a low SHBG uh, causes you to excrete more androgens or uh, promote more conversion of testosterone into estradiol or uh, boldenone into estrone or nandrolone into estradiol in combination with testosterone or dianabol into methyl estradiol, right? The conversion can take place. And of course, testosterone can also convert into dihydrotestosterone, just like nandrolone can convert into dihydronandrolone and boldenone can convert dihydroboldenone um, and, and maybe albumin is enough to kind of offset that but again look into the total picture uh, if your total testosterone levels are high your free testosterone levels are sky high but your serum estradiol levels are also sky high because your SHG is low um, then the sky high estradiol should be able to increase SHBG production to kind of um, self-regulate I would say, but if that's not the case, um, you know, your DHT level intake is probably too high, but then your estrogen levels would also be low because DHTs, generally speaking, kind of, you know, offset the aromatized uh, enzyme activity. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Look into the total picture, I would say. Darius asks, does prolactin really increase androgen receptor sensitivity? Yeah, so that's what I heard from Kurt, uh, but I'm not entirely sure if that's true because I haven't had the time to do additional research on this topic because uh, I'm on fucking holiday. <laughs> so I'm doing a vigorous q and I'm making some content, doing some uh, you know, training here and there, meeting some people, doing some collabs, but actual research when I'm, when I'm back home. So that's on the to-do list. Darius also asks, do good coaches help their athletes source better drugs from safer sources? Uh, yes, most of us uh, do or did. I, I no longer coach, but when I was coaching people, I would certainly make sure that they were be uh, looking at the right direction. It would make sense to ensure athletes don't take poison. Yeah, so that was always my philosophy, right? If I'm going to coach these athletes, it's not only about the training, the nutrition, uh, the supplementation, the performance-enhancing drugs. 
but also sleep quality and, and you know, all these little things that encompass bodybuilding or fitness in general, including how to source proper PEDs. But nowadays it's all public, right? In the control F source list and my link tree on Instagram. Everything that I uh, could endorse regarding proper sources, even though some of the sources have a terrible communication. Unfortunately, that's the nature of the business, right? It's not like shopping at Amazon where you get it the next day. It might take a couple of weeks. But most of the sources that I work with, they uh, they always deliver, right? But sometimes you have to send them an email to kind of pressure them to get some tracking. That's uh, the unfortunately nature of the beast. At least the sources that I work with are the products are good. All right, next one. There is us. Here's an idea. Speculate on what doping looks like in other sports and make a video series about, it. for instance, doping and archery F1 MA. So yeah, that's what we're going to do. I don't think I'm going to make it part seven because even this previous part of the Optimized Endurance Deep Dive video series, uh, part six, I mean, just didn't get any response. So, you know, I think it's got like 6,000 views now, but the first day it was like eight out of 10 out of the 10 videos that I made. So I'll uh, I'll just uh, continue into archery, F1, MMA, uh, esports, that kind of stuff, and just make uh, half natty stacks and the full Monty stacks in a single video. And that's going to be the, the route going forward on how to utilize these drugs for particular purposes. But making a video about uh, stimulants, uh, I'm just going to include that in the entrepreneurial uh, nootropic deep dive video series, which I'm now working on part two, just optimizing your neurotransmitters. And a part three will be uh, after optimizing your neurotransmitters, uh, how to use uh, all of the nootropic and neurogenic aids. And that will be uh, included uh, some of the stimulants, right? Because some of them are is dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter. Some of them increase neurogenesis. Right? So it all has to go sequential step by step. So that will include some of the esports uh, suggestions as well. But I'll probably just, you know, I'll start with MMA. That's the most popular request. And then boxing will fall under that as well. I mean, it's just all contact sports um, where you need a lot of stamina. And then we can move into uh, what the people want to see, right? I mean, you still have to think about what is the most popular and um, commonly performed sport. Because if I make a video about F1 and nobody's going to watch it, then I wasted, uh, you know, days of preparation and I wasted my editor's time for 2000 views. I'm not getting out of bed. I hate to say it, but it has to make sense, you know, from a time investment wise and a return of investment wise, right? Or effort wise. Let me see if this video uploaded. All right, good. Let me share that real quick on my Instagram story. Share done cool i gotta keep the marketing going uh how are you enjoying the usa it's freaking great yeah meeting a lot of cool people it was great to be at the swiss symposium and meeting uh paul burnett and uh, chase irons and colin and dr todd and uh ken skip hill and justin harris uh, i met stan everding uh, again briefly at the starbucks we had a good uh, laugh and uh, Victoria Felkar, Scott McNally, obviously, who uh, got me the plug to even join Swiss Symposium. So Swiss Symposium was absolutely great, um, very busy. I hit the ground running, of course, since I arrived in the U.S., uh, spending a day with Scott McNally and Victoria Felkar. And um, let's see, then I went to meet Chase Irons. We filmed an entire podcast that will be on his YouTube channel. And then the workout will be on my YouTube channel. I think my editor already uh, did the pre-edit. So all I have to do is kind of go through that and uh, verify if the content is uh, good enough for YouTube. Maybe trim it down a little bit. I think the draft was about 20 minutes. And then uh, I met my wife uh, the day after. So all is good, man. And it, I think it's 
I'm enjoying the USA uh, very much because I'm, you know, surrounded with good people. So first, surrounded with good people in the form of Scott McNally and Victoria Pelcar, and then being surrounded with the best of the best in the fitness industry at the Swiss Symposium, and then having a blast with Chase Irons, and now with my wife, right? Also, uh, the best of the best in the fitness industry. I mean, 17 shells, never placed out of the top three in one, uh, I mean, how many times? So I think half, seven or nine times she won. She won our class, so she's been uh, kicking ass. Of course, being with wife, she's the best thing ever. So uh, I'm having a great freaking time, even though the USA has uh, it's become very expensive. Yeah, I'll tell you that. But that's what we uh, worked the other, other 11 months out of the year for. And luckily for me, I still have consultations every single day. So, um, so far, I'm just breaking even, <laughs> basically, on the trip. Uh, Gio asks, what's the longest water fast you've ever done? Have you ever done a dry fast? Uh, no food, no water. No, I've gone in dry a couple times to the dismay of my wife. Uh, so bite the pillow, babe. Right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> it's conception week, so we're having a lot of fun. Um, the longest water fast I've done was six and a half days. Usually I would do five and a half days, but then mentally on Saturday, I was like, you know what? It's weekends. Uh, I want to get some ketogenic food in there. So I break the fast with salmon and vegetables. And then I start adding in the eggs and the chicken and the beef. And then maybe some more white fish later in the day. And then Sunday, I eat whatever the fuck I want. So that was, um, sometimes I extend that. You know, Saturday morning I wake up, I'm like, you know what, I can still go. That's usually in combination with liraglutide or terzepidite. Um, but yeah, usually usually it's five and a half days. Long as six and a half days, and I've never done a drive fast. I think a drive fast is stupid. And if you have to do that for, uh, you know, X amount of hours during the day for Ramadan, so be it, right? That's your religion, that's your commitment. Um, but I don't think that a drive fast for anybody that's not uh, a Muslim is a good idea. Um, because you need the water to detoxify all the stuff that you're now going to treat, right? If autophagy is going to take place and you're still eating a lot of micronutrients, then the, the you know, the removal of metabolic waste products and these autophagy cells, if that's even a correct way to say it, um, and of course, all the nutrients, uh, you know, being delivered. So you can at least stay in a micronutrient surplus while you're in a, you know, an ultimate caloric deficit. Yeah, I think you need water for that. So I think drive past are stupid, um, unless you have to do that for um, religious purposes, which you should get some clarity on life if you're doing that. And I did a Ramadan ages ago with a friend of mine when I was still, is that high school? I think high school. Yeah. That was tough. It was very, very tough, but not undoable. Not undoable. The worst thing about Ramadan is having a stinky breath, uh, you know, after a couple of days because you don't really drink water. And I usually have a little bit of a dry mouth when I talk a lot. So when you're still in school and you have to talk uh, with a lot of uh, classmates and uh, teachers, then that dry mouth turns into a stinky mouth and you're not even allowed to use bubble gum, unfortunately. Yeah, Aid, Aid Mubarak was great though. Yeah, yeah. All right, next one. Gio asks, do we have any consults with people on uh, red uh, true tides? Not not retarded tides. Right? I made that mistake of putting too many R's in there. Not retro true tide. It's retro true tides. Early thoughts about its dosage. Okay, so I'm running retro true tide, retro true tide right now. I saw it on the, the product list of Amino Asylum, so I contacted them and they sent me two files to give it a try. I think that's the reason why I'm not eating so much and looked a little bit emaciated and lean at the Swiss Symposium uh, because I'm running around the whole time making presentations, talking with people, setting up future podcast collaborations. And I barely got a chance to eat because, uh, well, very busy, but also because I didn't really feel hungry. 
our retro through time. So I think it's a very promising compound. Um, now that I've been on it for, I think I'm on the second injection of the second vial. So I did one milligram, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, basically, or maybe Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I don't know. I mean, the days have been blending together. I think it, it's yeah, it's Saturday now. Obviously, it's a it's a vigorous Q and A, but the days have been blending together. So I might have like double dipped at certain points because you get so many new impressions and you've been running around that you kind of forget did I take the Rita through tight yesterday, two days before. Um, so yeah, I might have uh, took a little bit too much, but appetite so far is greatly under control. What I will say is that because. You know, I, I try to eat the best I can, high protein diets. You know, you order like some chicken breast in, in some sort of salsa sauce and try to go with the healthiest options, at least until my wife arrived. Now we're eating Cheesecake Factory and Gordon Ramsay hamburgers. So, I mean, it's a holiday, guys. Give me a break. Um, but what I noticed is because of the glucagon, I'm losing a little bit of glucose in the urine. And not, not that I know that it's exactly glucose, but it's because the urine smells sweet after meals so my blood glucose levels might be over 130 milligrams per deciliter but i didn't bring my glucometer with me uh, because i knew i wasn't going to be on diet you know perfectly this entire uh, usa uh, trip so um, i'm speculating there there might be some glucose in my urine at certain points during the day when i have a meal larger or containing a lot of sugar and you know since a lot of the food is like mad sugary here in the usa so we went to gordon ramsay hamburgers and I order sweet potato fries. You think that's a little bit healthier. I put sugar on that shit. What the fuck? Right? And then we we go to Cheesecake Factory and we have one cheesecake to share. The cheesecake's like... I mean, you could, if you throw that to somebody, that, that'd be in hospital. That's how heavy it is. So um, I think a lot of the food that we tried so far that doesn't fall within, you know, quote-unquote healthy eating. Right? Most, most of the time we go to Trader Joe's and just eat, uh, you know, the boiled chicken breast and some salads and some, uh, you know, some chicken wraps. Um, yeah, so if you eat unhealthy, I, I think there's a little bit of glucose in my urine. I'm not running any impact with flozen, but I think because of the glucagon and, uh, you know, the GLP-1, GLP combination that my blood glucose levels at some points in time might run a little bit high. That's why I make sure that I walk around for at least an hour following these uh, larger meals to get my steps in and burn away some of the glucose. But luckily so far, I can't say that I gained any real body fat. If anything, I, I, I dropped about 10 pounds since coming here. All right, Rocco asks. Let's see. Hey, Steve, what do you think about using paracetam, denosepil, Adderall for cognitive support? Yeah, I, I think that's fine, albeit all at low dosages. Um, you know, combining paracetam with Adderall and denosepil, I, I don't think that's a good idea. But... I didn't get as far to looking into the drug interactions between these nootropics. So stay tuned for that on the third part of the optimized uh, entrepreneur nootropics stack deep dive video series. Um, but yeah, separately they're fine, albeit at low doses. I, I really don't like high doses of nootropics slash stimulants. I mean, Adderall is amphetamine. So you could really a nootropic. I mean, it increases dopamine levels quite a bit, which increases motivation. Um, but is it really a neurogenic AIDS? Uh, probably not. So, um, yeah, let me do some more research in the meantime. And then once I get back, I think somewhere in um, December, right? Let's say, give me a week to prepare for part two and then another one or two weeks to prepare for part three. 
Then uh, let's say end of November and the middle of December, we have uh, three parts of the Entrepreneur Deep Dive video series. And again, since there's so many new topics, we might have to do a part one and two, just like we did, well, five parts or four parts of the performance enhancing drugs for the uh, endurance deep dive video series, right? So, and then it's up to you guys to keep those fucking views going because it pisses me the fuck off that every time I post a deep dive, that the first one gets a boatload of views and then with each consecutive part, less and less and less views even though we get to more interesting and more exclusive and more niche drugs which are very interesting to talk about and do research on because not many people have so yeah don't disappoint me guys it pisses me wrong for really yeah all right Darius if SHBG is a storage mechanism is make mechanism and high androgen stores lower its high androgen intake right it, it's still being stored in the SHBG or the albumin. Uh, then can phlebotomy spike SHBG synthetic uh, synthesis due to serum androgen loss? Now, they're overcomplicated, dude. They're overcomplicated. Just take your androgens, keep your estrogen levels high, make sure you're high to the point they're favorable for cognition and endothelial function and all the benefits associated with estrogen, but not high to the point you get uh, libido loss and uh gynecomastia and acne right so find your sweet spots do your blood work and then um you know use hcg to bring your SAVG level up slightly and don't use so many freaking androgens look into optimizing the anabolism by keeping your SAVG uh, somewhat elevated let's say 15 to 25 nanomoles per liter if possible um and then looking into growth hormone insulin incrolex maybe even a lot of those clenbuterol right which also stimulates the beta 2 adrenergic receptors and can result in a little bit of animalism on top of the compound that you're taking and uh again everything works in synergy so besides hammering hammering the androgen receptor and increasing your SAVG, look at the other options before you really need to raise your androgen intake and no phlebotomies don't raise SHBG. if you want to raise SHBG real quick progesterone ectesterone Selective estrogen receptor modulators like clomiphene, inclomiphene, uh, roloxifene, or tamoxifen, and then a thyroid medication. All right, T3, T4, they're also able to increase SHBG level, uh, albeit that androgens, growth hormone, and insulin will all lower SHBG levels. So adding in a little bit of thyroid meds, maybe 100 micrograms T4, or maybe 50 micrograms T4, and 25 micrograms T3, splitting up half the dose morning and then afternoon your SHBG might still be 10 or 15. So again, if, if SHBG is a little bit low, it doesn't mean you're not going to lose out on anabolism. It just means that it's not optimal. And that's what we're after. But sometimes you can't have optimal. You're just uh, getting good enough. <laughs> and, well, let's be fucking honest. You're not an IFB pro. Most of us are not IFB pros. So we don't really have to worry about all these little vectors. Um, just mental masturbation for the intelligent people among us. But if one thing is off and everything else is right, you're still going to make gains, dude. Relax. All right. Lucas asks, could you go over dosing protocols for ARA to 90 if you have time? Please. I have an old nerve damage from motorcycle accidents in my interior uh, right delt and right uh, VMO. What, what does VMO stand Vastus medialis oblique. And that's, the, oh, the teardrop. All right. The teardrop, yeah uh let's see from a motorcycle incident like i address i read one to three milligrams daily in one study but curious if you have any experience before i order yes yeah, so i like about two milligrams to five milligrams intramuscular uh per day 
um, for four to six weeks in case of nerve damage. Will it mitigate it? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. You could combine it with cerebral lysine. I haven't looked into the drug overall or drug interactions between ARA290 and cerebral lysine, but since ARA290 can help with a little bit of nerve growth, especially with shingles, um, and, and there's some limited, limited evidence that it can also help with nerve damage, it would make logical sense that you combine that with neurotropic aids like cerebral lysine containing brain-derived neurotropic factor, glial cell line-derived neurotropic factor, and two other ones which I can't remember off the top of my head right now. So it would make logical sense to take like five milliliters of cerebral lysine, intramuscular, um, in the glutes or the lats or quads, wherever you prefer. It goes systemic, so it doesn't really matter. And then ARA290, you would inject as close to the issues um, as you possibly could. Two to five milligrams. Five milligrams is kind of expensive, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, if you have nerve damage and your physique is uh, kind of deteriorating because of that, it's still cheaper than surgery, so it's worth a four to six-week run. Yeah, that would be my recommendation. But I can't say that, you know, for all the people that I've talked to that had nerve damage, I can't say that I got messages back where they had like raving reviews of running ARA290 and cerebral lesson together, which is what I would usually recommend through direct messages or people that I know personally. Um, I can't say that they came back raving with great results, like, oh, all my nerve damage has been recovered. Uh, do they sleep better? Do they uh, get more cognitive effects from the cerebral lesson? Yes. Um, but I can't say that, uh, you know, that they came back and suddenly all of their issues disappeared. Darius asks, can theanine megadose resolve the anxiety caused by something really shocking or bad that just happened in your life? Um, I, I don't think any over-the-counter supplement or medication can resolve something really bad. So what you need is time and talking about it so you can process your thoughts. So I think the, the worst thing you can do if you have a shocking experience um, is to keep it to yourself. Trust me, I've done it for years. And uh, I got to resolve all of my issues when I was traveling uh, through Asia, maybe uh, 10, 12 years after shocking things happened. So that's the last thing you want, where you start thinking about you know, your day, and then you start thinking about the week before, and then you start thinking about the year before, and then you go through your timeline, you end up thinking about things from like 10 to 12 years before, if, you, if you're able to hold it for that long. And then you break down like a little girl while you're traveling, um, you know, in the night bus. One, and then people ask you, oh, dude, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I'm thinking about something that happened when I was 14. Right? That kind of stuff. So um, I, I think you just need to talk about it and, and, and process that with people who are close to you. And then uh, and if you don't have anybody that you feel you're close with, then, you know, go talk with a therapist. But I don't think that any over-the-counter supplement or, or uh, medication, for that matter, can resolve issues that are uh, shocking or, or bad or troublesome. You just need to talk and, and give yourself some time. Um, time, heals, time heals all wounds, and sometimes it takes a couple of years. Now, if you have PTSD, there's medications for that. Uh, IV ketamine, right? uh, uh, serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or the whole shebang where you have serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Reuptake inhibitors, SNDRIs, and serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine reuptake inhibitors, Wellbutrin, for example. Um, yeah, but usually talking about it helps, and, and that might mean that it's hard, um, but you'll usually feel better. Yeah, and, and drowning yourself in theanine is not going to solve shit. All right, Musa asks, hey, Steve, 
At what point in time can we start taking dynomessin and calcium glucrate on a cycle? I've been on a testosterone cycle since more than six months. Uh, uh, well, uh, go do your blood work, see where your serum estradiol levels are at. If your serum estradiol levels are still high or in range, if they're in range, the dynomethane and calcium glucrate is doing what it's supposed to do. If your estrogen levels are high, then the DIM and the, uh, the CDG might not be high enough, but I don't think you should go over 200 milligrams of DIM and 1,000 milligrams of uh, CDG. So if estrogen levels are still high, uh, uh, take those out and use an aromatase inhibitor or add in a little bit of uh, Mastron or Primo to bring your estrogen levels down, right? So, with reasons we talked about a thousand times on this YouTube channel. So do your blood work and then you can decide how to proceed. What is our ask? If, is it okay to take 1200 milligrams N acetylcysteine, 500 milligrams NMN, 1200 milligrams glutathione, Right, I'm assuming that's what glutathione. Uh, the abbreviation is for glutathione. DSH, yes, that's glutathione. All right, got that right. One thousand IOs vitamin E. I would bring that down to like four hundred IOs, and uh, two thousand milligrams vitamin C. I'm assuming upon waking on an empty stomach with so twenty milligrams apple cider vinegar thirty minutes prior to workout and pre-workout drink. All right, so that's a lot of antioxidants pre-workout. Um, I would split up everything. I mean, are you taking the glutathione orally or injectable? Is this like the S-acetyl um, glutathione or the, the liposomal glutathione? Uh, I mean, I, I don't really believe in that scientific evidence that, you know, the post-exercise stress response gets blunted when you have a boatload of antioxidants. I think that's just an excuse that, you know, shitty bodybuilders use. Right, train fucking harder, eat better, take some steroids, and all that shit will be mitigated. Plus, when you look at the scientific evidence, you know, training on steroids causes a boatload of oxidative stress. So if you take a lot of antioxidants around the workout, I don't think it's going to mitigate it. I mean, fuck, I got, on, on a stack similar to this, I got to up to 255 pounds upon waking. So anybody that uses that as an, as an excuse is just a shit bodybuilder, end of story. So you can take it. But it would be better to split up the dose and right? maybe take 600 milligrams or 1000 milligrams NAC, 250 milligrams nicotinamide mononucleotides, 500 milligrams of the, um, the oral reduced glutathione and 200 milligrams, uh, 200 ions of vitamin E and maybe 1000 milligrams of vitamin C upon waking on an empty stomach with apple cider vinegar. And then you have a meal and then you go do your workout. And then later in the day before bed, you have a similar serving of antioxidant. Even though I have vitamin C with every single meal, 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams. Besides the antioxidant improvement, the antioxidant status, um, you also get increased collagen synthesis, and that's how you keep your tendons and connective ligaments, connective tissue and ligaments strong. Man. All right, here we go. Thomas, now we get to the live stream question. What is your opinion on taking one milligram of Arumidex twice a week to increase testosterone while not on exogenous testosterone? You heard the Dutch doctor mention it on a podcast last resort before injecting tests. I think it's fucking dumb. I think this overuse of aromatized inhibitors when you're not on exogenous testosterone or HCG monotherapy is fucking stupid. So, I don't want to get into it because you're probably asking about height protocols. And I, I think that's highly unethical to start talking about height high protocols aimed towards kids that are like 14, 15, 16 years old. I'm sick of that shit. It makes me sick. Disgusting. Shut the fuck up. Right? Um, figure it out if you're 14. Right? It's not my responsibility to do that for you. 
And I think there's much better approaches. So if you go on ATG monotherapy, your testosterone levels will increase, your estrogen levels will increase. Of course, you will shut down your HPPA, but one milligram of Remedex um, is going to reduce your serum estradiol levels so much. And if you do that chronically, guess what? Neurological issues, aneurysms, bone mineral loss, loss of endothelial function, loss of libido. I mean, the list, the list of side effects of low estrogen are extensive and it has nothing to do with the negative effect of the aromatized inhibitor itself the aromatics or the aromasin or electrosol it has to do with the negative effects of low estradiol so a person like, who would do a protocol like this would not do blood work right they would just take two tablets a week because they're fucking dumb and then they're like oh yeah my testosterone levels are going to go up because uh, my estrogen levels are going down and that's the negative feedback on the hpta they're not doing blood work and then a year later two years later five years later they have a fuckload of issues. Not torn muscles, aneurysms, whatever else. Look into HCG monotherapy, bring your estrogen levels up, or cut down your HPTA, or look into inclomiphene monotherapy, inclomiphene monotherapy, which I also don't think is sustainable because of the clotting risks and the reduction of IGF-1 levels. And, um, you know, if you have good results with HCG monotherapy, just be a fucking man and inject some testosterone. Ugh. Everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel. Now, I get it. You know, Steve has answers, but it doesn't mean I get to agree with all the protocols that are out there. Hmm. What is our S? What is a better choice of carbs for intra-workout drink? ISO, multilose, dextrose, monohydrates, multidextrin, or high-brand cyclic dextrins. Oh, whatever, whatever is the one that you can digest the best. So buy like uh, 500 grams of each, run 50 uh, grams into workouts, um, you know, a couple of days, a couple of workouts in a row, keep some notes, you know, did I get bloating? Did I get a gastrointestinal upset? Did I get acid reflux? Did I uh, get constipated the next day? Did I get farted, farty, right? Gas, um, that kind of stuff the next day or even during the workouts. Um, did this fluid come back through my nose when I was doing heavy legs presses or squats wearing a belt right keep a log and it's very likely that you find out that either uh, maltodextrin or high brand cyclic dextrins work the best for you and then once you figure out what works the best for you then you can start combining that with essential amino acids maybe a low dose cholesterol maybe a low dose creatine again not too high to the point you have a lot of fluid in your intestinal tract but high enough that you can get a performance boost and a cell volumizing and overall pumping effect out of it, right? So um, personalized uh, inter-workout drink would look something like this. Again, assuming you're a beast, 50 grams of maltodextrins or high brand cyclic dextrins, 25 grams or 20 grams of essential amino acids, maybe five grams of glycerol, and maybe three to five grams of creatine, monohydrate, right? That's still the best version. And, and some sodium, some electrolyte formula to help with the nutrient shuttling because you still need to sustain your um, blood volume and electrolyte balance uh, when you drink uh, intra-workout because you're sweating so much. So one or two of the uh, gorilla mind hydration formulas in there, which is what I do. Nice. And then maybe add a little bit of sodium if you sweat buckets like I do. But the uh, the hydration formula from gorilla mind is actually very, very good, especially if you combine it with some of their intra or, um, or post you know, it's called post-workout, right? But it's better to take it intra and then essential amino acids. And then you dilute that amount, uh, you know, three to four liters of water. You sip on that and you should have no intestinal upset. 
but uh, you know, skeletal muscle upset is there. But that's the point, right? That's the pump, the unbearable pump that makes uh, people turn heads and uh, get themselves, uh, you know, hemorrhoids and uh, torn uh, labrum when they look at you instead of doing your workout. That's the goal. My people should be crashing the cars because they're you're so pumped. All right, Munizer asks, please share your thoughts on taking in it. Yeah, I just, oh, prior to bed. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Just take half the dose of um, what we just talked about. Audio is grainy but audible. Yeah, I am having this little microphone here. Uh, it's the best I could do. I didn't want to bring uh, a big microphone because I'm already overweight on all of my luggage. So, all right, Freedom Baby. It was awesome seeing you and Chase hanging out. Hope America is treating you well. Yeah, it's, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, but I'm surrounded with the best of the best in the fitness industry, and that certainly helps. Thomas, what do you think of Tesnoester as a pre-workout and how long before uh, would you inject it? So, Tesnoester is usually oil-based. Make sure it's an MCT oil and not anything else, right? Not this synthetic uh, inflammatory oils like propylene glycol, polyethylene glycol, monoethylene glycol, uh, glycol, Miglil 840 or 812 or 817. Uh, I don't think 817 is used. I think it's 840 most of the times. Or ethyl oleate, right? So MCT oil, benzo benzoate, benzo alcohol. That's fine. Most people respond well to that. The large majority of the people do. Some people are still allergic to benzo benzoate and benzo alcohol. So if that's the case, you might have to homebrew your own testo ester in, um, in uh, MCT. And just keep the concentration low, maybe 25 milligrams for one milliliter. And then you uh, pin 50 to 100 milligrams pre-workout bilaterally because it does have a little bit of a localized effect. And also a testinal ester can cause some serious post-injection pain. So if you have a product that is uh, 25 milligrams for one milliliter and you pin like two cc's, two cc's for 100 milligrams total, so two cc's left, two cc's right, um, then at least the concentration is low enough. It, uh, allows the test testosterone suspension no ester to disperse activate the androgen receptors locally and as you start training the additional testosterone um, no ester kind of disperses through the rest of the body but you also help to mitigate the post-injection pain this way so dilute it down or brew it at 25 milligrams per one milliliter and uh, that seems to be the best way to go so if you're going to train chest test no ester both sides 50 milligrams or 25 milligrams and then you put your amino asylum uh, stampede, um, you know, about an inch or one and a half inch away from your injection site. So maybe lower chest, you do testosterone suspension, testoester, and then upper pec, you do the stampedes. And then uh, somewhere else, you do the IGF-1. Oh, man. Prepare for boobies. That's for sure. Currently, on 500 milligrams testosterone anthate, pinning every other day, 6.25 milligram aromacin on injection days to keep the estrogen right. Uh, plan on doing 600 milligrams of test, 600 EQ, front-loading EQ by two doses. Cut that noise. Don't do front-loading. You're going from 500 tests to 1,200 milligrams of steroids. You don't need to front-load shit. Relax. Slow down. Uncle Steve, your online steroid daddy, is telling you not to front-load. Just be patient. You'll get uh, results within a week already. All right? When should I stop the aromacin? Uh, you can stop right away. Yeah. Just go from one protocol to the next. One week you do 500 milligrams of test and 6.25 milligrams aromacin on injection days. And then the next week you go to a 200 milligrams of test and 200 milligrams EQ Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And you stop the aromacin at the time because aromacin has a four to five day uh, half-life. So it has a very long active life. 
and all of the aromatase enzymes that aromasin um, inhibits are going to be um, well not functioning anymore because it's a suicide inhibitor. So you don't have to change anything. Don't overcomplicate it. Will you have a little bit of hormonal fluctuations? Yes, but you're going to switch protocols. You're basically going to double the dose. What are you going to expect? I think your serum estradiol levels eventually after a month will be very similar to the 500 test and the Romsin uh, protocol compared to the 600 test and 600 EQ protocol. But again, after switching, um, do your blood work four to six weeks into it to confirm if this ratio of testosterone to EQ is favorable for your serum estradiol levels. And otherwise, a test might need to go up. EQ might need to come down so you can stay around 1,200 milligrams in total, but maybe you do a 750 test and uh, three, 450 EQ, or maybe vice versa if your estradiol levels are uh, too high. Right? So blood work. Yeah, you go over to Americ Health. I got a discount code for it if you're in the United States. And you, all you have to do is check your lipids and estradiol levels. It'll really cost you less than $100. Zane. Does the ghrelin secretion from MK677 lower the lipolysis benefit from the adjacenous growth hormone production? Okay, so MK677 doesn't cause ghrelin secretion. It causes ghrelin receptor activation. So you get a ghrelin-like effect, like you're hungry. So you'll feel hungry, like your stomach is sending a ghrelin secretion signal, but it's the MK677 that is actually uh, causing um, a simulation of being hungry. So, um, does it lower the lipolysis? No, unless you start eating like a butthole. So, on MK677, you need to control your appetite by having um, grow foods with a lot of vegetables, so at least you can feel full. And if so, does this mean MK677 is a terrible idea on a cut on top of the increased hunger? Uh, yeah, in most cases it is, because you'll be so hungry that it's very difficult to have diet adherence unless you use an appetite suppressant like Liraglutide, duloglutide, semiglutide, uh, terzepidide, or ritatrutide. And of course, MK677 is being used because people are cheap, right? And it's easy to source. And then you have to use a very expensive appetite suppressor to deal with the side effects. So what you could have done is just take growth hormone and follow your diet. Because a growth hormone has a little bit of appetite suppressing effects because it induces lipolysis. And this is a free from fatty acids in the bloodstream that uh, blunt your appetite slightly. So that's why I would laugh. I'm using MK677 and then Lyrolutide to blunt the appetites. Said you could probably run four IUs of growth hormone for that price for, that you're spending per day and get better result. But again, people want to reinvent the wheel. And I get it. It's exciting. That's what my entire YouTube channel is based on. But... Every time I do a protocol, I come back to the tried and proven. And uh, that is just uh, as much GH as you can afford. What's your thoughts on Kratom? Uh, I don't know. I don't like downers. I never, I, I smoked a good amount of weed in my younger years and I got away from it. I never tried Kratom. I have no interest in trying Kratom. If you have PTSD or some sort of a pain, uh, Kratom might be an, a solution. But I think a lot of people are taking Kratom just to get high. And uh, and then, you know, Kratom withdrawal is just as brutal as withdrawal from SSRIs or other drugs. So I would use it sparingly. But I looked into it when it started becoming popular in the United States. Right? Kratom became popular and then CBD became popular. And CBD is kind of phased out. Some people will use it to relax um, or to improve sleep. But the initial hype of Kratom and CBD um, is kind of gone. So, 
you know, I, I don't really know people that still use it. And the people who do use it chronically, they're uh, having serious issues. Yeah, with digestion, and, you know, opioid withdrawal, basically. So, no, if you want to get high, use real drugs. Yeah, real, real recreational drugs that open your mind. You might get something more out of it than just sitting there being numb all day. How important is getting your pre-testosterone tested uh, post-cycle? Well, it's important to check all your uh, hormone uh, markers post-cycle after you finish your post-cycle therapy. So you check your total testosterone, free testosterone, bioavailable testosterone, THA sulfate, pregnenolone if you can, estradiol, sex hormone binding globulin, luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, and then while you're at it, fasting cortisol, fasting insulin, and IGF-1 levels. Do it all. Get some insight. One marker doesn't mean shit. You need to have all the markers so you can actually understand what's going on. Zane, how important is spine injecting VPC-157 directly into your injury? It's very important because um, it seems to only act locally. So let's say within uh, arbitrarily uh, two, two inches, three inches of where you inject in a radial, right? So you inject in the middle and then you have like a two to three inch radius where BPC is going to be active. So I would zipper down, if you uh, zipper up and down around the injury area and just go clockwise or counterclockwise with each consecutive injection. Uh, TB500 isn't that narrow. It works uh, systemically quite favorably. So, uh, but you know, while you're injecting into the area, might as well inject the TB500 there as well. And then look at the topical or GSK copper, uh, which we, it seems to mention the, the healing peptides every single fucking vigorous Q&A. Um, so, you know, watch the previous figures, Q&As, and the videos that I made on the topic. When injecting testosterone endotate and taking aromacin every other day, when would you test, uh, when would my test and estrogen levels be the highest, lowest? Uh, the pin days or off days? The day after. It seems that serum testosterone and estrogen levels peak within about 24 to 36 hours of the injection. So I would, I would always, you know, pin, uh, let's say Monday morning, uh, Friday morning and then test Saturday morning, right? 24 hours late. Yeah, but if you're pinning every single day, uh, obviously, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, pretty stable. And if you take your aromasin every other day, then, um, you know, your estradiol levels are going to be proportionally blunted at the time that your testosterone levels are coming up. Because aromasin also has a 45-day half-life and longer active life. So, you know, that's why I like taking my aromasin on the day of the injection because, you know, serum testosterone levels tend to peak within 24 hours and that's exactly when your aromasin is going to peak to blunt the aromatized enzymes which are now being produced at the same time that your testosterone levels is increasing. T-Flow. Look at that handsome one gentleman right there. Steve, stoked you could finally make it to another live stream. You are the greatest of all time. My pleasure, buddy. I'm happy that the internet is holding up somewhat, uh, albeit that, it, again, it's hotel internet, so... Don't expect the world. Uh, what are the primary benefits of Jardions for bodybuilding? Also, I've been uh, seen research that indicates it is cardioprotective. Yeah, but that's, of course, in the cases of diabetes, right? So people are unhealthy as fuck due to their lifestyle choices. A lot of these uh, diabetes medications are going to show, um, you know, longevity benefits like metformin, for example, or Jardions or impagliflozin. Right? All these diabetes medications have all the cardioprotective and, and health benefits for people who are, are diabetic because they can't get their shit in order. Right? They can't eat better uh, to get their diabetes under control um, by following ketogenic diets and just making them lifestyle changes, you know, doing 10 minutes of fucking walks. 
Um, so yeah, that will be uh, they'll be beneficial in those contexts. But if you're otherwise healthy, you're a bodybuilder. I don't think that Jardion's or metformin or empagliflozin is going to do anything for your health besides harm reduction of the drugs and the lifestyle that you're already following. So if Jardion's is um, inhibiting the D-peptidylpeptidase 4 enzymes, raising your IGF-1 levels, raising your insulin levels, raising your growth hormone releasing hormone levels, um, reducing your myostatin levels, then overall you get an anabolic effect out of it. Um, if you take something that um, you know, uh, raises insulin levels, like a glucagon, like peptide-1 receptor agonist, or combination medication, GLP-1, GAP, and glucagon, um, or exogenous IGF-1, whether it's IGF-1, DES, LR3, or um, pharmaceutical recombinant IGF-1 in the form of Increlex, or um, something that is a growth hormone secretagogue, like ibuprofen, desmorelin, MK677, right? So that will, you know, work alongside the amount of growth hormone releasing hormone that you're producing, which is now not being metabolized by the D-peptidylpeptidase 4 enzymes. So yeah, Jardion's could uh, certainly help with that, right? But then again, how much of a beneficial effect do you get? Oh, fuck, I'm talking, Jardion's is in Paglifluzin. <laughs> fuck, sound like an idiot now. I was talking about D-peptidylpeptidase 4 inhibitors. There's so many of them. I thought Jardion's was one of them. Okay, reverse. <laughs> reverse. What is the primary benefit of uh, empagliflozin, Jardion's, for bodybuilding? You can see that it, the research indicates cardioprotective. My sincere apologies, guys. Uh, there's like 25 um, uh, D-peptidylpeptidase 4 inhibitors and then uh, Jardion's empagliflozin, which is the brand name. So, is there any benefits for Jardion's for bodybuilding? No. I, I ran it for a while, 25 milligrams, 50 milligrams. I think that was the dose. Let me just confirm. Uh, or was it 20 and 40 milligrams? Yeah, I did 25 milligrams or 50 milligrams to see if there was a difference. So, Jardion's might be beneficial if your serum glucose levels are sky high during a carb load. And it might be beneficial if you just had a cheat meal, right, to uh, dispose of some of the glucose. I feel like a dumbass now. <laughs> Guys, there's so many medications out there, I can't possibly remember all of the pharmaceutical names. I remember all of the um, uh, the active ingredient names, so empagliflozin I would remember, but Jardion's is the brand name. And I uh, I thought we were talking about, uh, what was the name of the same? DPP4I drugs. Sounds very similar to the other one. Cetagliptin. Or linagliptin. I think that's what I had. It. Yeah, I had linagliptin in my mind. All right, my bad. Anyway, so the only benefit if, uh, is if you have high glucose levels at any point in time. But I only see that happening when you eat a boatload of carbs for your carb load. And even then, you might be disposing some of the carbs that should be ending up in your skeletal muscle. Or when you have a cheat meal. But I ran it for a while when I was using insulin and growth hormone at, at you know, respectable dosages. And... You know, the water retention was not mitigated in any way, shape, or form. My blood glucose levels were lower than uh, they should have been. Uh, sometimes it would be borderline hypo. So you can take Jardion's and then lower your insulin levels, but then you have less, uh, you know, nutrient partitioning into skeletal muscle. So if you're 
if you're doing anything right with bodybuilding, you're eating right, you're training, your testosterone levels are high enough for uh, increased insulin sensitivity. I mean, there's a boatload of scientific evidence that shows that testosterone can improve uh, health in uh, patients with diabetes. I don't think the Jardion's empagliflozin is beneficial unless you have kidney failure. Yeah. My bad. Sorry, guys. Uh, what would be your pre-workout protocol not included injectable aminos? Okay, so we just went over that, right? Um, use the timestamps that Alvaro JD is going to post, and then go back to where I started talking about high brands, acyclic dextrins, and essential amino acids, and that kind of stuff. Uh, that's intra-workouts, and then pre-workout will just be one scoop of gorilla mode nitric, and uh, maybe a quarter scoop of gorilla mind respawn for the nootropic benefits. Yeah, that would be my pre-workout protocol. And some GH. Yeah, maybe some Androl, maybe some Superdrol, right? Get creative. Could you elaborate on blood clotting risk associated with inclomiphene and other serums? So if you go into the scientific literature, you see that clomiphene has been associated with clotting risk. Now, of course, sometimes that's in uh, medical settings, right? When uh, women have uh, breast cancer or when women have, uh, you know, use clomiphene for fertility uh, uh, reasons. And with enclomiphene, I can't remember that there's any scientific evidence on it, but since enclomiphene comprises, uh, let's say, two-thirds of clomiphene, right? you have the two stereoisomers, you have enclomiphene and zuclomiphene. Enclomiphene is the large majority of clomiphene. It would be a logical assessment that enclomiphene, even though the scientific evidence is pretty thin, that enclomiphene also has clotting risk. And nowadays, you can't be too careful, right? We're not going into details, I'm sure we're all aware. Um, I, I don't want to take that fucking risk, man. I don't want to take that fucking risk. Not with the amount of people that have died around me with, uh, you know, blood, viscosity, or endothelial-related deaths. Now, go to um, up-to-date and start researching all the serums. And you see that all of them have clotting risk. And up-to-date probably doesn't have an entry for enclomiphene because it's not FDA-approved anywhere yet. Uh, it might be at one point. But... You know, I think up to date only your research is, um, you know, pharmaceutical compounds that are FDA approved, at least in the United States. So if you want to use CIRMS for a PCT four to six weeks, fine. If you want to use enclomiphene permanently for enclomiphene monotherapy, I think it's a risk. Um, how much are the metabolism benefits of clembutrol reduced when taking a selective uh, beta blocker like the Mivinol? Yeah, so you reduce the fat burning effect because your heart primarily works on fatty acids. And of course, if you're reducing your heart rate, you're missing out on the fat burning effect of the clenbuterol by otherwise increasing your heart rate. Now, what I've noticed is that the contractile capacity of clenbuterol at the central, central nervous system stimulation is still there when you take uh, clenbuterol with a beta blocker. But I would look at it this way. If you take 20 micrograms of clen and 5 milligrams of ambivalol, fat loss will still take place, albeit not to the maximum capacity. But you can get fat loss from other drugs. You can get fat loss from 5-amino-1-MQ. You can get fat loss from glucagon. You can get fat loss from uh, terzepidite and uh, retrocytite, right? The GIP receptor activation might actually help with uh, the shuttling of fat out of adipose tissue. Again, scientific evidence a little bit thin, but when I ran terzepidite with exogenous glucagon or now retrocytite, um, fat loss seems to be uh, yeah very good. So clenbuterol is just a part of your arsenal. And I would recommend you to keep the, you know, the 20 to 40 micrograms and then start combining that with 5-amino-1-MQ, uh, an appetite suppressant like uh, terzepidite or retrocytite, 
and then maybe look into GW1516 um, if you can, uh, you know, look past the potential cancer risk. So, yeah, we have uh, Yohimbine and Robolcine and Ephedrine, and there's so many fat burners, it's insane. Bronson Hoogan. Okay, we can do two more questions and then we're going to go public. What cycle worked best for you? My friend has done a test train, uh, train okay, but saw better gains when running test the master on. He's interested if this would tell you what compounds would work for him. I don't know your friend. Well, tell him to schedule a consultation so I can analyze his blood work results and personalize the cycle for him. Um, but what worked best for me might not work for you or your friend. So if you want to know what worked best for me, watch the videos that I made about my dream cycle. There's multiple videos about that. Those cycles are mad complicated, low dose of multitude of different compounds. Um, I had great results and my blood work parameters were absolutely, absolutely stellar on that cycle. Um, you know, considering the gains that I was making, but I'm not sure how much experience your friend has. And if you did the test and tremble on train, then, you know, it's probably a beginner. So. You know, you probably won't get away with the test, Primo, Lodos, Nandrolone, Anavar, GHK Copper, Growth Hormone, Insulin, and now Incolex. Right? My cycle might not work for you. You might not be able to afford it. I'm financially secure. I can run whatever the fuck I want at any dose that I want, um, as long as my blood work is uh, favorable. So tell your friend to schedule a consultation. Do blood work first. I'll personalize it for him. And then, uh, you know, make him write down his questions. All right, Zane, and then one more. Is it okay to use boldenone or trin while on finasteride? Uh, yeah, sure, but you'll still get hair loss. Yeah, finasteride only inhibits the conversion of testosterone into diethylestosterone, and boldenone can potentiate hair loss, and trimlone can potentiate hair loss. And, uh, you know, if you're going to run boldenone on a trend, take the finasteride out so you can get a little bit of DHT and uh, maybe get some, uh, you know, sexy libido out of it as well. Bronson. This will be my first time running EQ. When I get blood work, aside from the usual markers, what blood work markers should I be checking, especially regarding my kidneys? Cystatin um, C, that's for sure. I would just check everything, you know, check your hematocrit, check your red blood cells. Hematocrit uh, and red blood cell count can go up when you're running EQ. Check your estrogen levels, check your estradiol levels, check your estriol levels, because EQ might convert into estrone, and then some people it, it doesn't, and it, it might reduce uh, serum estradiol levels. So, um, yeah, uh, maybe do a 24-hour urine collection test to see if your kidney can even handle it. Even though the scientific evidence regarding EQ and its uh, negative effects on the kidneys are a little bit thin, and it seems that something as simple as vitamin C can, um, you know, mitigate some of the negative effects. And if you keep your serum estradiol level high, then I think it can also mitigate some of the effects. And even though we're hammering on EQ regarding kidney health, uh, those studies have not been performed on all of the other study, uh, all of the other steroids. So we can say that boldenone is kidney toxic because the evidence is there. But since it hasn't been performed on the other steroids, we can't say that the other ones are safe. This is fucking stupid. And same as neuro neurotoxicity, right? Nandrolone and uh, trembolone are very neurotoxic, and testosterone is somewhat uh, less neurotoxic because it converts into estradiol, which is neuroprotective. But it, the similar studies haven't been performed in the other steroids. So you can't say that you run Primo instead of uh, Trimbalone because it's not neurotoxic. It hasn't been fucking investigated, so shut the fuck up. All right, last question, and I'm going to go public, right? So this T-float is the last one. Uh, bathroom break. Be right back. Put that in. 
Is it better to split antivar 10 milligrams AM, 10 milligrams PM, or take 20 milligrams split all at once, uh, take 20 milligrams all at once? So the answer is yes to both. On rest days, you split it up and you take uh, 20 milligrams pre-workout to get an acute effect out of it. That will be my recommendation. Okay, guys, we're going to go public, put the banner on. So nobody goes nuts. And then uh, well, let's see. This one I can remove. This one I can remove. Public. All right. Bring on the herds. I'm going to stop the microphone and uh, go for a little pee break. And if you hear me peeing, then my sincere apologies. Be right back. What's up, guys? It's a vigorous Q&A. Please let me know how the audio sounds, and then uh, we can get started. Did you guys hear me pee or not? I hope not. <laughs> let me get some water in. Mm. All right. We are in Las Vegas right now, staying at the Link Experience Hotel. Um, the internet has been holding up okay so far, so fingers crossed we're going to make this work. And, um, yeah, well, let's get started with the questions. All right. We've got some member questions right here. Vicarian is also a very proud member of the Chase Irons uh, Discord group, which I saw when I was in uh, Chase Irons' home gym. Man, his setup is a fucking legendary. I uh, can definitely learn a lot from his setup of audio and the equipment and video. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make it happen when I get back home. But until then, uh, we're going to um, yeah do the hobbyist setup with one camera, one HDMI video capture, and some shitty microphone that came with my uh, yeah my headset. All right, let's get started. What should you draw? What should you drop your blood glucose uh, to when using Umalog pre meal before you eat? You should inject your Umalog after you eat. What is the ideal blood glucose levels pre-meal in general? So, you know, if it's 100 milligrams or 130 milligrams, it is what it is. So you're you're probably better off controlling your blood glucose levels in between meals with Lantus, and that could be 
five IUs, it could be 50 IUs, so highly depends on you. So you check your blood glucose levels throughout the day and then manipulate your Lantus dose. And then if you want to use Umlog post meal, not pre meal, unless you're really advanced and then you probably wouldn't have to answer, uh, ask this question. Um, post prandial injections is ideal with Umlog. So you eat your meal first, then you pee. Right? It could be two IUs, could be five IUs, could be 10 IUs, depending on your experience and your carbohydrate intake and how much uh, Lantus you're taking. But, uh, Ideally, it should be over 70 milligrams per deciliter and below 130 milligrams per deciliter. But it, it's so it's so person dependent, man. It's so person dependent. And again, if you find out that some meals are, um, you know, give you higher blood glucose levels before the next meal than other meals, then manipulate your carbohydrate sources or overall carbohydrate intake with the previous meal. That's why it's best to. Uh, do as many blood glucose readings throughout the day until you're really dialing your Lantus and Numalog protocol. All right, Tim England. What time was time to get in here, I guess? All right, yes, it's time to get in here. Vigarian, glad to see you're enjoying yourself in America. Yes, having a great time, especially now that my wife is here because being away from my wife for 12 days, that's a new record. And uh, life is less good without the wife being present. <laughs> All right, what's up, Steve? Looking shredded. Um, I look lean. Yeah, it's a Rita True Tight, I guess. Let me see. Let me do a peek check. I look pretty. Why is this in the way? Let's do a peek check. You can see in the mirror back there. I, I think I look uh, pretty okay. Hey, look at this. Look at all the fibers. Oh, it's my elbow. I think I look pretty good. Oh, let's check the other bicep. Let's check all the biceps. Let's check this one. Look at this shit. Thank God Chase Irons hooked me up with some HCG. Look at the separation here. What is this here? What is this? Does anybody look this good coming off cycle in our fitness space? Besides um, Johnny uh, Shreve. Johnny Shreve came off cycle and did a show. He looked fucking great. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna check his butt cheeks though when I uh, meet him at the Olympia just to make sure there's no uh, scar tissue there from fresh injections. This, right, Johnny. <laughs> no, but Johnny Shreve uh, looks very very good off cycle. I wish I was that lean and that full and that big, but I guess I got the wrong parents. All right, what's next? Uh, bet bet red and evens on the roulette table. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe get those super chats going, and I'll think about it. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, you guys are in Bitcoin, right? You guys see what happened, right? So, yeah, it's uh, technical analysis is enough betting for me. Let's see, where are we? What is the best GLP receptor agonist for the price? Um, Semiglutide probably because it's there's so many generics out there and uh yeah for for the appetite suppression that you get if you do like half a milligram or a quarter milligram three times a week so not the full dose not one to two milligrams once a week just the low dose three times a week i think that semaglutides um you know pulling all of the prices together in my head i think that's the best bang for your buck yeah lyroglutide you would drive to run a higher dose into daily injection so you go through those pens a lot faster 
Um, but then again, you know, at least if you do, you know, Monday to Saturday and Sunday, you can refeed. So that would be a benefit. Tim England, any specific protocol on checking blood pressure? Best time, sitting in a chair versus laying down, time of day, using a wrist cuff. Okay, so you sit down like this. You don't talk for five minutes, which is difficult for me to do because I'm doing vigorous Q&A. If I'm talking the whole time, my heart rate is elevated, my blood pressure is high, etc., etc., etc. So you sit down, you chill, you scroll your phone, make sure you don't scroll anything that's uh, too inflammatory and too aggravating, uh, which is uh, half the content on Instagram nowadays, fortunately. So you sit down, you put your heart or your your hands with the Omron 7, the wrist cuff, if you have big arms and otherwise you use an arm cuff. You put that around heart height, then you wait a little bit, and then you uh, start using it. And you follow the instructions that uh, came with your blood pressure monitor. So it's going to be different for the wrist cuff or the arm cuff. So if you're using the wrist cuff, you keep the monitor at heart height, visual, right? Heart height, you keep that the same. And then you measure. You do that upon waking, you do that pre-workout, you do the post-workout, and before bed. And then you do both sides. You pull the average and get your average blood pressure over the day. In the morning and in the evening, it's going to be generally the lowest. Uh, post-workout, it's going to be a little bit elevated uh, compared to the morning, obviously, in the evening, because you're, uh, let's see, already a couple meals in. And... Um, Let's see. And uh, post-workout is going to be even more elevated because, you know, speaking, your blood pressure is going to be higher. So some people have low blood pressure during the uh, post-workout. That means they're um, excreting too much electrolytes. Yeah, their blood volume has come down because their sodium intake, their sodium intake isn't sufficient during the workout. Joe. Rodina, Steve, it's nice to have somebody as dedicated as you, even doing live streams on vacation. Thank you for expanding my knowledge over the years. Yeah, man, the show must go on. And I'm, I ran through all the videos that I uh, pre-recorded uh, back home, and I still didn't have time to um, watch the Real Gym video that my editor made a draft for, and uh, the Chase Irons workouts that my video made a draft for, and I repurposed some of the WADA prohibited list to how to optimize your testosterone levels using over-the-counter supplements because it's a little bit of a different demographic. So that draft I need to go through. I didn't do any vlogging yet. I don't know. Every time I'm outside, I whip out the camera and then I get annoyed uh, that I could just be, you know, having fun with my wife and uh, making inappropriate jokes. Um, I guess you just have to be there in person to see vlogging content. <laughs> I just don't think about it, man. I'm old school. When I was at Swiss, I didn't think about one moment to whip out my camera and start recording stuff. I just was having too much fun uh, talking to people. So the least I can do is give you guys some content in the form of the vigorous Q&A. Um, even though I will say on holiday, the super chats are uh, non-existent. Too bad for me. What are your thoughts on using DHB? Um, I don't know if you've exhausted all of our options. Test, Primo, Masterone. Regular good old boldenone, nandrolone, uh, you know, it's post injection in a bottle, like Aldous uh, is just mentioning. But I don't know, I never used it. I never used DHB, never used mint, and I have no interest in using DHB. Mint does look a little bit more promising because there's some scientific evidence and research to do. But DHB, I mean, this, there's nothing on it, really. If you look for one testosterone, there's barely anything to read about. So. Louis, yeah, what's up, Steve? How's it back in the States? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, even though the prices went up like 20%, which is not good. 
but what can you do? So, but so far, so good, man. I'm happy to meet all the people. I'm happy to meet Paul Burnett and Chase Irons and, and you know, uh, Scott McNally and Victoria Pokar again because I saw them last year. So it's, it's good to meet everybody that I interact with online. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping to meet Kurt and um, and uh, Colton, but Colton is in uh, Bosnia or Serbia right now. Uh, Bosnia, I think. So uh, I guess I, we won't be seeing him at the Mr. Olympia. And I convinced Tanner to uh, come to the Olympia as well. So hopefully he'll show up. And then the more people I meet that I actually have collaborations with, uh, the better, obviously. Vicarian, what's more accurate, a blood pressure cuff around your arm or one around the wrist? Dr. Todd recently recommended using only a wrist cuff because uh, if you have too much muscle mass in the arm. So yeah, the, you basically answered your own question. If you have big arms, like if your arms are this big, I mean, look at this. Look at that chick. Because if I flex next to Chase, his arms would obviously be 10 times bigger, but on my size, it still looks good. It's small balls, helps. So... If you have big arms, uh, an arm cuff is not going to work. But if you have anything less than, uh, I would say, 17 inches, it might still be accurate. But anything over that, uh, yeah, use a wrist cuff, Omron 7. That's the one I have linked down below in every YouTube video. All you have to do is follow the Amazon links. I get a little kickback. And, uh, and you buy yourself a method to ensure your health in the long term. Let's see. Tim England, five bucks. All right. I guess it's for answering your question. And if you have something new, just uh, post it. I'll try not to look past it. Zubs. Do you have a protocol to reduce jet lag from all time zones you've been traveling to? Um, I got handed uh, the, the protocol that uh, Dr. Peter Atia has. And it basically includes uh, not being disturbed while you're flying and then slamming a boatload of modafinil when you arrive. <laughs> I didn't do that. Uh, I just take Gorilla my a Gorilla Dream and some uh, extra melatonin when I'm traveling, and then when I arrive, I just have a lot of coffee and and get the day started. So, uh, because when I arrived in in China, I was with a good friend of mine who was not into PEDs at all, so he doesn't have anything like modafinil or SR nine zero zero nine laying around. I don't want to travel with that stuff. You know, when I was younger and single, I didn't give a fuck. I would do that, but nowadays, it's just too risky. It's too risky. There's too much at stake. So I don't travel with shit anymore. Um, I bought, uh, well, you know, arriving in Thailand or arriving in America, you can get stuff, obviously. But I'm I mean, just kind of used to it. You know, you, you, you fly and you take some, you know, melatonin, you take a good amount of coffee when you arrive. You uh, skip, uh, you go to bed when it's time to go to bed. And I, I adapt. So, so far, so good. I think on the Sunday after Swiss, I slept a lot. And then the first, yesterday, no, the day before, let's say the first day that we came to Las Vegas. Of course, my wife was very tired after traveling for 22 hours. And I was pretty tired after uh, training with Chase. I mean, kicked my ass. So we, we slept for uh, like 12 hours straight. And now we're fully adapted to the Las Vegas time zone. So don't worry, man, you'll be okay. And otherwise, again, a slam uh, 50 to 200 milligrams of modafinil when you arrive. And then sprinkle in 10 milligrams SR9009, like four times a day, you know, from the morning until six hours before you want to go to bed. And that way you should adapt to the new time zone as well. Fragrance Man, prescribed 240 milligrams testosterone Sipunet, currently doing twice uh, injections per week, would three times be better. Um, you'll get more stable serum levels of testosterone, less conversion into estradiol and 
diet of testosterone. So I would say, yes, it's better. Uh, but of course, it's also going to be more scar tissue. So if you want less scar tissue in the uh, muscle tissue, um, then you would have to go with every other day or three times a week or maybe even daily subcutaneous bicord administrations. So that's, uh, that's basically the way to go. I'm not sure if housekeeping is in front of the door, but we're going to keep going. Maybe it's the neighbors. Uh, let's see. Welcome to Las Vegas, my guy. Uh, this is where I live. It's Summerlin. Okay, so that's a little bit out of town, right? Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in the Strip. Yeah, the Strip is a mess. They're having the Formula One now, so all the traffic is terrible, but the rooms were cheap. That's why I'm staying in the Link. I mean, it's a two-room two uh, hotel room, right? So I got this bedroom there. My wife's working a little bit on a laptop. And this is the, the living room. It's actually a light outside, but if I open that curtain, there's uh, you guys will be blinded. And then behind that is obviously the the sphere, which has uh, you know, very interesting light shows, but it will be too distracting for you guys. So I keep the curtains closed. So yeah, Vegas is fun, but the Formula One kind of ruined everything. Yeah. Tim England all, already answered my question, no problem. Okay, good. Let's see. Loose oh. Hello, loose out. Can endocrine production of luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone be permanently reduced by the use of steroids? Um, if you use steroids long enough, but you know, my LH and FSH levels were down for like 12 years straight because I would do HCG monotherapy in the meantime, and that's just replacing the LH signal from the pituitary gland. Uh, and, and the last time I came off cycle, I did a pulse cycle therapy after non alcoholic fatty liver disease, which I beat, right? A survivor of NAFLD. Not that it's deadly, but it's just, it doesn't feel good when you have some fat in your liver. And from a mental perspective, not that your health feels bad. That's why it took me some time to catch that on. I did a PCT and my LH and FSH levels came to what, two, two and a half, sometimes three million AUs per milliliter after taking steroids for 10 years and being shut down for that long. This is one of the reasons why I'm currently using HCG and FSH, both recombinant versions, because I would like my LH receptor and FSH receptor to be uh, stimulated a little bit harder than I'm able to produce endogenously. And thus I take exogenous HCG, which interacts with the LH receptor and exogenous FSH, which obviously interacts with the FSH receptor. And my fertility levels are uh, solid as fuck, but my wife's not pregnant yet. I guess it's going to take some time to be 40 years old. Big Boy XD, when is the rest of the Entrepreneur Stack video series going to come out? Really love those videos. Hope Vegas isn't too busy uh, with all the construction. Yeah, so the construction is a bit shitty. Um, so the Entrepreneur uh, Stack, I am working on the nootropics or the optimizing the um, neurotransmitters part of part two. But I got about 50% in and then it was time to prepare for the United States trip. And I'm not going to work on videos while I'm here. So realistically speaking, I probably need another week to prepare for the... The, let's see the neurotransmitter so expect that sometime end of November and then let's say two more weeks to prepare for the nootropics and stimulants and it might be two parts so the first part of that if it's two parts will drop uh, let's say December right both parts because I'll probably need two weeks in between um, just to get you guys on the edge again for the next part because if I release them day by day then nobody's watching and Let's be honest with these deep dives. Every consecutive part has less traction. Right? That's not my fault. It's uh, the audience's fault. Unfortunately. So we're spacing it out. So 
not right now um november december and then we'll probably be done and then i'm not really sure what deep dive we're going to do next but i'll have to reassess if we're even going to do deep dives because again the amount of time that i spent on the deep dives is uh, uh, extraordinary and the views are abysmal and then i still have to think about views and subscribers and uh you know return of investment time wise all right where are we Sozo King, best steroids for mass if your estrogen sensitive can't handle over 300 milligrams test prop. Eat more food, add GH, add insulin. This is not what you asked for, but you know, if you're estrogen sensitive, you add in something like mastrone, primavolin, or equipoise on top, which uh, help with the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. It's a bit of a noob question, I'd say it. Uh, but yeah, if you want to build mass, you have to eat. And if you want more mass, you add in the growth hormone and the insulin. I have ebooks about that so you can read a lot and then uh, you know before you decide to take a plunge i would increase the steroid last food first then peptides then steroid last the steroids are going to fuck with your blood work in your overall health and the gh and the insulin um if you use them responsibly um no negative effect in your blood work zane if somebody uh, was having stomach issues on 600 milligrams 300 milligrams trend burping a lot Feels like a lot of food is getting backed up in their stomach. What should I do? Watch that video about acid reflux um, and incorporate some of the recommendations in there because you're not producing enough, enough stomach acid on Trimbalone um, or oral anivar or some oral other oral steroids. So you need to increase the stomach acidity. You can do that with apple cider vinegar. You can do that with beta and hydrochlorides. Uh, usually those supplements contain pepsin, which helps with the breakdown of protein or bromelian also helps with the breakdown of protein. And um, yeah, and if that doesn't work, you take the train out and you increase the test and use an aromatizing inhibitor. This train is terrible for acid reflux. Hmm, not, not many people in the chat. I guess uh, Paul or Chase Irons is, or uh, Paul Burnett is still going. Let me see what are the hmm. Finished already. Oh, I only got 370 views. What is everybody doing? Where the fuck are all the people? I leave one week and the, and the, and nobody joins. And are you guys liking? And don't forget to like. The like button helps a lot. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Ben Poch. Ben Poch. Whatever. Uh, what what would help with facial redness? It seems to go away when I take an anti-inflammatory. Uh, it could be high blood pressure. Could be flushing from the niacin that you're taking. Could be flushing from the Cialis that you're taking. Um, and if you're if if an anti-inflammatory makes it go away, then you kind of answered your own question. Maybe you're in a very high inflammatory state, and of course, in, inflammation can also bring a lot of uh, blood flow to the face, and making it turn red. Maybe you're drinking red wine, also makes your ears and face turn red. You put a sulfite, right? It's also and and resveratrol, very potent vasodilators. Especially if you drink a lot of red wine, that's a lot of sulfites and resveratrol that you're getting in. So um, check your blood pressure, uh, check your inflammatory markers, your homocysteine, your C-reactive protein, high sensitivity test, and your neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio. Check all of that and then uh, figure out what is causing you the inflammation or the high blood pressure and address that accordingly. Let's see. Answer some other questions. 
Devil AB, what's your current training program? Okay, so I do a four-day split. I got a push day on Monday. Again, if I'm not traveling, so that's uh, chest, shoulders, and triceps. Or I might do chest, triceps, and shoulders. I'm just doing isolation work. Because uh, off-cycle, your shoulders are not going to be that big anyway. So it doesn't matter if you do them second or third in the workout. I'd rather have big arms uh, because the shoulders are not going to be popping anyway. Right? L lack of androgen incentive. Then the second day is... Uh, quads and glutes and no quads a little bit of adductors and uh calves that's what i did yesterday at torture gym if you want to see my workouts head over to instagram i just posted a training reel right there then uh let's keep all the fingers elevated so i don't flip you guys off then on thursday it's a uh, pull day so that's uh lats lower back upper back or back day basically rear delts biceps a little bit of traps and then on Friday is, uh, is hamstrings, glutes, proper adductor work, and also a little bit of calves. That's my workouts. I do cardio every single morning. Uh, besides here in Vegas, I'm just walking around for like two or three hours before I have my breakfast. And I do some ab work. Every morning I wake up, I do about 300 abs. Yeah, 300. Let's see, 100 regular, then 50, 50, so that's 200, and 50 leg raises, and then another 50, yeah, it's 300. Yeah, 300 abs, you know, it takes about 10, 12 minutes. It's like a little ab circuit, 12 minutes in a row. So when I pull up my shirt at the Mr. Olympia, at least there's something there, and I don't have the terrible ab cramps when I'm trying to conceive, because uh, your boy has some serious hip mobility. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, this guy never stops. All right, super chats. There we go. Joe Rodino. Here's an extra 10 bucks. Hell yeah. I like tips. <laughs> uh, we have to support the smaller channels like yourself. Dude, I have 100,000 subs. <laughs> well, I can't say fuck you after giving me 10 bucks, right? I'm almost at 100,000 sub, guys. Right, do me a solid. Just share it with some friends so I can break 100,000 subs before the Olympia. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen because I have no content to post, or not much at least. So, uh, yeah, I'll take your $10. Uh, I will say that my channel is uh, not as small as it used to be. I have one of the biggest uh, steroid education uh, or performance enhancing drug educational channels out there besides uh, Derek Moplets Morgates, who is uh, completely missing in action because uh, he's too busy with uh, the back end of the businesses that he operates. And, uh, yes, I am enjoying my time in the U.S. a lot. Always have a good time when I'm here. Uh, yeah, okay, so Zane, you kind of answered your own question, right? You got issues with the Tremblon, you're in high inflammatory states. Your C-reactive protein is 10.40 milligrams per liter. Uh, so what you need to do is switch brands, take the trend out, take the testosterone out, and go with pharmaceutical products. I have them listed on my website. All the issues that you currently have is because of the carrier oil that you're injecting are shit. Yeah, it's that simple. And if you do a regular C-reactive protein test, and it's 10, you do a high sensitivity test, it's probably 50, and uh, that means you're in a very high inflammatory state. Yeah, so take the garbage uh, steroid out that you currently have, and then, um, and then yeah, uh, uh, you know, make sure that you uh, get your inflammatory markers down that way. All right, let's see. Yanoi the beer, can't you super chat? So pay first and then ask the question. Sometimes it doesn't go well because you're probably uh probably putting in a word that is um you know blocked i have a very extensive block list so you might have to get creative with your wording 
And even then, if you get creative with your wording, but it's still uh, something that I regularly have blocked, then I'm simply not going to answer your super chat. I'm not even put you in timeout. So maybe post the question first and then post the super chat. <laughs> See if I'm even willing to be uh, answering that. T-Flow, should IGF-1 LR3 be administered daily or just on workout days? Four days, uh, four weeks on, one week off. So um, I would just do it every day for the three weeks, four weeks that you're running it. I, I like the following protocol. Uh, IGF-1 LR3, uh, let's say, you know, 50 to 500 micrograms bilaterally, depending on uh, the source and the purity in your experience level and what else you're taking, right? Keep ramping up the dose until you get a stupid pump from your IGF-1 LR3. But it's 50 to 500 micrograms bilaterally, so you might inject an entire vial pre-workout, about 50 to 60 minutes pre-workout. Uh, and then on your wrist stage, you just take it subfuel so you can get a little bit of a localized systemic effect. Or, or systemic effect, not localized. Localized injection with systemic effect. Uh, then you do that for 21 days, and the last 7 to 10 days of the month you take off, so your IGF-1 binding protein can fall back to baseline, and your IGF-1 receptor sensitivity can fall back down to baseline. And maybe take 500 milligrams of metformin so you can lower your IGF-1 levels and IGF-1 binding protein levels even more. Um, so your IGF-1 sensitivity, IGF-1 receptor sensitivity is even higher than before. That would be my recommendation. That being said, I ran anchor legs for four weeks straight and uh, my sensitivity was still good. So, yeah, that's anchor legs. All right. Musabi Monster. Musubi Monster. What is your preferred intramuscular injection sites for GAs uh, wherever you might want to have a localized effect. I mean, again, there's a little bit of autocrine signaling when you inject a growth hormone. So you might get some IGF-1, IGF-2, or Magana growth factor uh, release in the site of administration if you do your GH pre-workout and then post-workout or during the workout, you get some IGF-1, IGF-2, and MGF production. Um, so maybe pin it in the muscle groups that you want to increase. Uh, that being said, I, I pin GH in my right chest for almost an entire year, exclusively, didn't grow. And I trained pretty hard at that time. So, yeah, I, I think that it uh, might look good on paper. You know, scientific evidence might show that you got, might get some localized effect, but from personal experience, I will say that uh, it doesn't really do anything. So just pin it wherever the fuck you want, I would say. All right, he's paying. And then please answer. Okay, here we go. I got some testosterone annotate ampules from some Indian pharmaceutical and the carrier oil super thin, not thick, like the testosterone annotate uh, from Bayer. Is it the thing? Also, why is the carrier oil so thin? And also, what's your take on Israeli? I'm not going to answer that. Fuck off. Let's leave the politics out of it. Uh, don't be a child. This is a steroid channel. All right, so the carrier oil. Uh, the Indian pharmaceuticals, they use Arash's oil, and uh, that can be inflammatory in a lot of people. So if you go to my website, vigorousteve.com, one of the, the top articles, the most recent ones, are about C-reactive protein, protein and inflammatory, inflammatory carrier oil. So I think, let me just pull it up real quick on my computer. I think that Zydus Pharmaceuticals, and hopefully it's not going to ruin my internet connection. Um... For fuck's sake. One second, guys. And when you click something and the website is still loading, you click somewhere else. Hey, you go to the wrong article. 
All right, let's see. Arachis oil is uh, Aspen, uh, South Africa, Jelfa Pharma, Poland, Merck Sharp and Dome, MSD, uh, United States, Norma Hellas from Greece, Nexus Pharmaceuticals, USA, Organon from the Netherlands, Searle, India, and Zetas Cadilla Healthcare, India. So the Testosterone Depot uh, from Searle and Zetas Cadilla Healthcare, those are both in Arachis oil. Let's see if India has anything else. Um, okay, so Leifert's Macmillan Pharmaceuticals produces uh, unknown carrier oil. And if that's super thin, it might be ethyl oleate. And Cipla Pharmaceuticals produces in cottonseed oil. So if you can get Cipla in India, that's good. But the Searle, the Zetas, and the Leifert's Macmillan Pharmaceuticals, I would avoid. Yeah. All right, next one. Yeah, this is not a politics channel. But I, I commented on the recent uh, events a little bit too much, and then probably my channel got muted, so I'm not even going to go there. Uh, should my wife take DHA and pregnenolone on TRT? Uh, if, their DHA, if her DHA and pregnenolone levels are low, then yes. And, and you might be able to reduce your uh her trt dose uh by taking pregnenolone and dhea because obviously that's ultimately going to convert into testosterone pregnenolone goes to dhea which you're also supplementing with so now you're doubling up on the dhea levels and then the dhea converts into testosterone so the exogenous testosterone that she's taking whether those are patches or injectables you might be able to lower her dose all right so please run that through your uh position oh gabrielle sorry missed it Gabriel Machado, Steve, please talk about ACG dosages to keep testicular size. Didn't, didn't, didn't you just want, didn't I just post a video about this, about how to prevent your nuts from shrinking? Um, so desensitization will only occur when you use progestogenic 19 or like Trimbalone, Nandrolone, Tristolone, check drops. But if you use testosterone, desensitization is not going to occur. Really, at 250 IOs three times a week, it's not going to happen. When I made that video about HCG to take it or not, that was in the context of bodybuilders, right? And now I understand that there's more people out there than bodybuilders. That's old content. I'm still going to keep it up because it brings people to the YouTube channel. But you have to keep in mind that all of the recent videos have my recent stances on these kinds of pharmaceuticals. And I don't think desensitization is going to occur unless you take Nandalone at super physiological doses over 200 milligrams per deciliter. I mean, when I was on cycle last year, I took, what was it? 375 test, 500 primo. No, 375 test, 375 primo, 50 milligrams nandrolone, and then 200 milligrams mastron, right? And 250 IOS HCG. And dude, my, my fertility was like 50 million sperm per milliliter. That's where I started at. So I ran it for a year and it was still working. So anandrolone, if the dose is low enough for basically overall connective tissue health, uh, I think the ACV is still going to work. I don't think that you're going to get a G protein a, a signal reduction from the luteinizing hormone chorionic gonadotropin receptor, uh, right? the combined receptor between LH and ACG. I don't think that's going to occur, but if you're on trend, deactivating a lot of the spermatogenesis and testosterone production through the progesterone receptor, yes, the testicles have progesterone receptors as well, so you hammer that down directly through that receptor. Then I think G protein signaling might be reduced 
or LHCG receptor content of the testicles, right, the Leydig cells and the Chitali cells might be reduced. And then, you know, if you're not keeping your estrogen levels sufficient, which helps with follicle simulating hormone receptor sensitivity and uh, um, what is it called, uh, membrane content, then, right, then even then, when your estrogen levels are high on progesterone 19 nors, if the progesterone 19 nors are high enough, I don't think the HCG is going to work. So you have to look into the total picture. Now, I watched that video about how to um, keep your balls nice and full. I basically say the same thing there. All right. Could you explain how MK677 can cause gyno? So MK677 increases prolactin levels and also growth hormone levels. And since prolactin and growth hormone can both activate prolactin receptors, um, if your estrogen levels are also high and you're taking uh, a progesterone compounds, then you have gyno formation through the estrogen receptor, the progesterone receptor, and the prolactin receptor being activated by high prolactin and high growth hormone. Right? So, um, yeah, that's basically how it might work. Uh, opinion on inositol supplements for men. Yeah, it's good for liver health and maybe cognitive function. Um, if you take a choline and an inositol supplement, you basically get both, right? So you get uh, choline for liver health and then inositol potentially for liver health and cognition. So I, I think it's a no-brainer if you would like to go for that. Uh, and it's super, super cheap. So you can take maybe 3,000 milligrams choline and inositol together and get some benefits out of it. Does HCG work if you have a testicular varicose cell? So I brought that up in the, you know, how to prevent your nuts from shrinking video. Uh, no, it depends on the state of your varicose cell. So um, if you have a, a significant varicose cell to the point you have testicular atrophy and testicular necrosis because the blood flow is completely impaired, then HCG is simply not going to get there. You need to fix your varicose cell with surgery. Um, if you have a modest varicose cell where the blood flow is still occurring, but it's simply not optimal based on what they consider to be optimal, then yes, the ACG will come there, but might not work to the extent you want it. So again, ACG at 250 IOs might yield a net response of 100 IOs because the blood flow is not ideal, right? So you're pinning a lot, but it's just not getting to the area or in a reduced amount. So do a testicular ultrasound. It's fun. It's cold. It's so cold. It's so cold. I did it like two times. Um, and yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a fun experience. Uh, uh, just ho hopefully you get a female nurse that's hot. Um, and if that doesn't happen, you just don't talk about what actually happened, right? Fingers crossed and mouth shut. So, yeah, get it diagnosed and then uh, see see how you want to address your testicular health going forward. M, just move to Vegas. Check out Area 15. You'll love it. Yeah, I've been there last time. I, I've done, done most of the sites that were uh, available. So I've done the helicopter tour. I've done Area 51. I've done most of the malls uh, in the middle of the strip. So I think today we're going to the north, and then we'll go to the south, and then basically seeing all the, the places. Uh, we'll go to the Sphere on Monday. God, those tickets are expensive. Fucking hell. It's like $360 for two people for a two-hour experience. Vegas is a ripoff, man. It's very expensive. Yeah. All right. Sense quality. Can you explain the difference in detail between Cimax and Cerebralysin in detail? Okay. So Cimax is a neurogenic uh, liberator, basically. The Cimax is an intranasal administration or intramuscular subcutaneous administration. I would prefer intranasal over the subcutaneous IM administrations. 
for neurogenesis because the SMAX directly goes into the brain and starts promoting the release of brain-derived neurotropic factors. Now, just like a growth hormone releasing compound like albumin, testosterone, and K677, there's only so much growth hormone you can release. Just like in clomiphene or ACG monotherapy, there's only so much testosterone you can release. So SMAX has a cap on how much brain-derived neurotropic factor your brain is going to release, just like Selenc, just like um, uh, melatonin, melatonin, yeah, melatonin is a, is a brain-derived neurotropic factor releaser. Um, what was the other one? There's a couple more ones. I actually mentioned that in the entrepreneur's stack, but um, if you want more than endogenously, uh, you know, you're able to produce, then you need to inject that in a form of brain, in the form of cerebralizin, which contains brain-derived neurotropic factor, glial cell line-derived neurotropic factor, and two other ones which the names uh, kind of elude me. So, Sumax only gets you that far, uh, SSRIs only gets you that far, even though SSRIs are, of course, continuously neurogenesis. So if you start with Sumax first, give it a try, see how you like this increased neurogenesis through the heightening or the increased release of VDNF. Then maybe try cerebralizin for a month or two, five milliliters to 10 milliliters, intermuscularly before bed or upon waking, depending on how you respond regarding your energy levels. Some people get increased energy, some people get sleepy, this is what I got. So I pinned it before bed. And then if you get a really good response out of that, then you want to continuously look into fluvoxamine or vortioxetine, which uh, have the highest amount of neurogenesis for the dose that uh, is usually prescribed for OCD or, or you know, overall infused of um, mood, right? because they, of course, are serotonergic uh, medications. So yeah, that's basically the, the difference, right? Cimax uh, would be the MK677 and cerebralisin would be the testosterone or the growth hormone. Yeah. Fresh 067. Testicular ultrasounds are awesome with a hot nurse. Also, well, also not so fun because your shaft isn't large and in charge. Well, then of course they'll kick you out of the hospital. And from what I remember, both times they tucked everything away that isn't relevant. So you literally have this little patch and then they lift your nuts and they put a little towel underneath. And then you basically your nuts are exposed, but everything else is gone. So at least I have the decency to shave um, to make it as uh, interesting or at least uh, less um, disgusting for the sonographer as possible. Right? Because if you're fucking covered in hair, then all that uh, KY jelly, uh, the, you know, the ultrasound uh, cream that they use is going to get everywhere. Yeah. You should add my first one. I was almost 17. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you, know, you just blow on it in your heart. So uh yeah might have to uh, that's why they probably covered you up sense quality do i still use them uh what are good sources to get these do you have a consultation i'll order one so yes i have consultations the rates are on my website um but the sources are also on my website so check the sources out first <laughs> i had cosmic nootropic sells Simax and slang both pharmaceutical grade products in russia i think they have a u.s domestic warehouse and yes my discount code is vigorous 10 for 10 percent off uh science on bio just came back you can get 10% off with the code Vigorous. Um, so you can go to their website. And then Amino Asylum is domestic, uh, you know, shipping for Sumac. Uh, Do they have Sumac? I think they have Sumac, but they don't have Cerebralizin. Cerebralizin you can only get on Cosmic Nootropic. So if you're going to put in an order, just get everything from Cosmic. 10% uh, off, Vigorous 10. 
and then uh, you know you can ship from the U.S. domestic warehouse if you're in the United, if you're in the United States, and otherwise from uh, one of the uh, USSR former countries um, and get it shipped worldwide. Yeah, so you don't need to do a consultation with that, but if you want to donate, like you just did with a super chat, that's more than enough. Mm. All right, let's scroll up a little bit. Mm -mm -mm. Looking young, yeah. Front light. Front light and not taking PEDs helps. All right, let's see. What's your opinion on Fenibut for relaxation? Uh, yeah, if you use it occasionally. I mean, uh, alternating Fenibut with GABA for sleep quality and, and just knocking you the fuck out seems to work quite well. Uh, but Fenibut you shouldn't use every day and, and GABA shouldn't use it every day because you might build up tolerance. It's like uh, an addiction. So just like Kratom and, and other compounds that kind of activate or, or work through the GABAergic system, um, don't take them too often. But if you need Fenibut because you had a long day and coffee too late and, and you just want to fucking sleep, then yeah. And otherwise, the deep, dive, the deep Sleep Deep Dive video series will give you a bottle of uh, suggestions. It's four parts. Um, and I went over Fenibut and GABA uh, as well, or, um, you know, GABAnergic uh, supplements as well. And shit, just a high dose progesterone, like 100 milligrams before bed. Man, that feels like GHB. Yeah. Chris, FPV. Okay, cool. I saw you in person at Swiss. And you're by far the youngest, healthiest looking open steroid user there. Yeah, but I'm also not using steroids currently. So I'm not really sure um, if um if i would look the same way if i were on peds i mean when you go you go to videos of a year ago when i was using a gram of gear and then peptides on top i i didn't look this good so now let's see what everybody else looks like when they come off what do you recommend to heal herniated discs you've asked this question like six times um i would recommend you discuss this with a physician um and then maybe do some chiropractic work if you need to realign your discs and there's no amount of peptides or diet interventions that you can do to heal that it's a structural issue and for that you need somebody who specializes in realigning your spine and sometimes it just takes a lot of rest so uh look elsewhere sense quality best supplement for aiding cognition for example people with adhd i see you ask it so I'll just donate love the channel all right really yeah this is super chats always go faster so um well, again, watch the Entrepreneur Deep Dive video series. I mean, there's there's a boatload out there that can improve cognition. Besides, you know, improving your sleep quality, a lot of people that just don't sleep enough and they start taking stimulants, stimulants to improve their cognition and hope that they get more productive out of it when they're just digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. So sleep first, um, follow a regular lifestyle. I don't travel across the country left and right um, because that's going to impair your sleep quality, obviously. Um, and if you have attention deficit disorder, I mean, there's, there's, I don't know off the top of my head, which nootropics help with that or which SSRIs or which, uh, neurogenic aids help with that. But by the time I get to the entrepreneurial deep dive video series, uh, two and three, I'll have that on the screen, right? Because I didn't get that far researching. And again, if you have attention deficit disorder, follow a fucking ketogenic diet. That will do wonders. 
wonders. All those little kids that you see running around and they're diagnosed with ADD or HCHD. Guess how much sugar they're taking. Yeah, you can see it. I mean, I go, I went to Cheesecake Factory a couple times and there's kids around me. And before Cheesecake Factory meals are nice and quiet. And then afterwards, they turn into lunatics. Lunatics. So don't feed the kids too much sugar and don't feed yourself too much sugar. Um, it, it will do wonders for your cognition. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, Hope Sip. Let's see. What do you think about aspirin daily? Um, I think there's better ways to thin your blood. Fish oil, vitamin E are very potent for, um, you know, reducing uh, blood viscosity and, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, making your blood thin. At the same time, you should take vitamin K for normal platelet aggregation. So if you do have a little bit of a cut, you don't bleed out, right? So, um, uh, let's see 3000, 3500 milligrams fish oil. Um, that's not the actual official, that's an EPA and DHA, so 3,000 to 3,500 milligrams EPA and DHA coming from fish oil and salmon and maybe, uh, you know, steak if you go with uh, free-range steak, right? Then fuck even uh, walnuts, for example, or avocado have a little bit of EPA and DHA, so track all of that. You don't have to make a dose of fish oil because you get some EPA and DHA from your regular diet also. 200 to 400 IELTS vitamin E, and the red palm um, vitamin E seems to be the most potent. And then uh, vitamin K, the Gerald Formulas formula uh, with what's 800 micrograms of vitamin K, split 500 micrograms K1, 1,000 micrograms or, or, or 1,200, 1,200 or 1,000 micrograms uh, K2 MK4, and then 180 micrograms K2 MK7. Might be off a little bit, but that's a give or take the breakdown. And then you don't need fucking aspirin and risk uh, getting stomach ulcers. But get what? When you take steroids like uh, Zane or Zol, what was his name? Right, we go back a little bit. Go back in the timeline. Yeah, Zane. Somebody, somebody has stomach issues. 600 milligrams of test, 200 milligrams of train. Burping a lot. Feels like food is getting backed up in the stomach. Guess what? You take some aspirin with that, and now you have stomach ulcer. So, get your intestinal health diagnosed. Uh, take some fucking glutamine, take some fucking fish oil, vitamin E, vitamin K, throw the aspirin in the trash, and uh, you should be healthy. I haven't taken aspirin ever. You know, and all the anti-cancer research that is uh, out there, I mean, just live a healthy lifestyle. You know, don't start drinking all the time. Don't start smoking all the time. Don't take drugs constantly that might be carcinogenic, you know. Then you don't need to take aspirin to take the edge off. I, I think... A lot of these biohackers and longevity experts are just overdoing it when you can just eat healthy. I mean, look at me. I eat healthy and I look healthy. Cheese is vitamin K. Yeah. Yeah, just cheese it. Just have, or natto, uh, not, 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 right? Natto is very high in vitamin K. Kale, very high in vitamin K. So just eat healthy. And, and the medications take them last. Uh, I can't believe how to say this, but yeah, take the medications last. Roscoe, epic thumbnail. Uh, hey, Steve, what's your opinion with the best combination of compounds for a beginner to cut with? Okay, so you reduce your calories, and you take some TRT. I have the cookie cutter TRT protocol on a lot of videos. So long story short, it's 150 to 250 milligrams testosterone, 25 to 50 milligrams DHEA, either morning or evening or splitting up the dose. 
10 to 25 milligrams. Pregnenolone either morning or evening or splitting of the dose. Uh, testosterone would be daily subcutaneous with microadministration, so you don't have to use an aromatized inhibitor or very little, if that. Uh, HCG for testicular function, 250 IOs Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, two to three IOs growth hormone for fat loss. Um, let's say upon waking for fasting cardio. And then uh, once you've got some experience with that, add in a little bit of plenicardarine, yohimbine, ephedrine separately so you can get some experience. And then take it from there. Right? But cardio and uh, calories are going to uh, ultimately determine the outcome of your fat loss. And the performance-enhancing drugs are there just to sustain muscle or maybe even grow a little bit of muscle if you're just beginning. Yeah. Hey, Steve, might have mentioned to you that your mic quality took a hit. I know you're traveling. Yeah, it's I'm using this. Right? So it is what it is. Can you pick up a snowball to connect your phone? No. No, I'm not going to. I'm here for two more weeks. I'm not going to spend more money unnecessarily. So there might be a next figures Q&A on Saturday. And then on the 11th, I fly home on Saturday, November 11th. I don't think there'll be a vigorous Q&A on the 12th. Uh, so the next one will be the 4th. So you have one more uh, one to sit through. And I'd just be, be glad that I'm still doing this while I'm holiday. And then the next figures Q&A will be on the 18th and then I'll have a proper mic again. So... Uh, stoic intellectual, can you please do a part seven? I don't think so. The views are abysmal and, and the research that I have to do for uh, central nervous system support and anti-inflammatory drugs, we, I know it's going to be a 2000 view video. I, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time when I have so little time during the day. So no, there, there's not going to not going to be a part seven. Not if you, if you guys wanted to see a part seven, you should have watched all the previous parts and liked and commented and shared, so I do your part, because these deep dives take a fuck a lot of time, and if they're not getting any views, then I'm just going to move on to the next video series, which is going to get views, right? And I hate to sound like a, an asshole that, that is all about the views, but I, I barely have time, dudes. I barely have time, so it has to make sense from a time investment point. So there will, will not be a part set, unless you guys bring the previous part up to 25,000 views somehow by sharing on Reddit and whatever, um, right, do your part. I did my part. Now do yours. Fuck, I made six videos. Six videos about endurance. Find me another channel that did that. It's, it's like three hours worth of content. <laughs> Find me another channel. Right? So if the views are not there, we're just going to move on to the next uh, video. Uh, is 500 milligrams for one milliliter concentration of steroids or K? If the carrier oil is MCD or something else, it's non-toxic. I think only boldenone holds at that concentration because boldenone is a semi-liquid, uh, depending on the temperature. And if it's an MCD oil with a little bit of benzobenzoate and benzo alcohol, I think it's totally fine. Yeah, King Pullman. Uh, but with testosterone, I would do 300 milligrams maximum testosterone inotate. And you have to look at it this way, like inotate, cypionate, decanoate, undecanoate, uh, undesalinates those, the long esters, those you can suspend in high concentrations, but the propionate, acetate, the phenylpropionate, 100 milligrams for one milliliter, 75 milligrams for one milliliter at that. Yeah. Did you look into the new drug that heals heart tissue? Uh, what was the name again? I don't know what it's called. Okay. But it can reverse heart damage. All right, let's figure it out. Um, 
they're just trying to get it approved uh yeah link me on instagram when you find that and then i'll look into it because i could use some heart uh uh heart damage reversal after getting a mandate unfortunately yeah nowadays you travel all over the world and it's no longer required so nice work cunts Hey, Steve, what's your opinion on Nupept and Actovinin? Thanks in advance. Love your content. Keep it up. I like Nupept. I, I didn't try Actovegan uh, yet. Um, I was doing some research in it, but, you know, again, it's it's an, yeah, it's a little bit of a new compound, not so much data on it. I, I did like Nupept, though, for cognitive benefits and especially learning capacity. So 10 milligrams, again, Nupept also stimulates the brain-derived neurotropic factor at 10 to 20 milligrams per day, but you have to cycle it a little bit. So I would take it maybe three times a week if I wanted to do something that um, has to do with memory uh, formation and absorption of uh, knowledge. And then I would take something like Samax or uh, Alpha-GPC or basically a Gorillamide Respawn if you want to do something. So Nupept, long story short, is for um, absorbing knowledge. And, uh, you know, all of your cognitive aids are for utilizing that knowledge to be productive. Yeah. Social justice warrior. What's up, sir? I was just going to run a short acting insulin only on days that are high volume and was going to take two hours before the workout and the recommendations. Yeah, that sounds fine. I use the timestamps to skip to an earlier part of this video when the timestamps are there where I discuss intra-workout nutrition. And if you have a lot of high volume, kind of manipulate the carbs up and down, you might need 75 grams of high brain cyclic dextrins or maltodextrins to um, sustain your energy levels. But I would take the insulin about an hour before and not two hours before, because if you have a meal two hours before, uh, by the time the insulin is peaking, um, your intra workout might not hit fast enough and you might go hypo. Right? So I'd rather have the insulin peak while the workout is taking place. So maybe you take the insulin with post pre-workout meals you have your pre-workout meal you take your insulin an hour later you start sipping your inter-workout so now you've covered most of the immediate glucose release from the, the pre-workout meal with the post-workout sorry with the post-meal insulin then you take your inter-workout and then um you know, then the insulin starts becoming more and more active as your workout progresses. And as you get more intra-workout in, you should be able to sustain your insulin, uh, your blood glucose levels. And uh, and then it starts to taper down towards the end. And then, of course, you can take, uh, you know, some, uh, some, yeah, some more food at the tail end of your insulin shot. So that's how I would do it. But again, experiment and see what um, you have to do. Why did you skip my question? Do you think you're the only one in the chat? Right, you needy bastards. Okay, here's your question. I took tamoxifen and it wasn't enough for my gyno. Then I took cabergoline and it worked. Should I could keep doing the caber or explore other options? I think you should do your blood work and stop being so needy. Um, Muva Laplin. It's a lipoprotein little A inhibitor. Okay, so my lipoprotein little A levels are perfect. On cycle, off cycle, my lipoprotein levels are perfect. So um, I don't think that it's required in my case, but I'll have a look into it. Uh, Muvaliptin, Loplin, Muvaliplin. Hmm, Muvaliplin. Interesting. I'll have a look into it. See uh, if it can actually um, you know, reduce 
the, the level and improve cardiac function. Let's see. Why don't pro, uh, pro bodybuilders use protein powder? They do, but most of us use the collagen protein. And even though the scientific literature is thin, I mean, you have all these social media influencers, ah, collagen doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. And then you look at their muscle and there's nothing there. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Bodybuilders, they usually, from my experience, all the guys that I coached, they use collagen, plenty, 30 grams per day, and they use whey protein to flavor their collagen pro. Yeah. Super chat's not working. No, I think it works, uh, but maybe nobody, uh, you know, economy is down. Can't blame people. <laughs> right? So all super chats help, but if there's no super chats, we're just going to answer the questions that I uh, want to answer. Ah, there you go. Suncrave. Suncrave is the man. Paying a lot today. I'll pay for the coffee while you do a little bit of reading on the move up. Muvalaplin. Okay, I'll get to it later today. Much appreciated. Let's see. Where are we? Oh, here we go. Alex, our token female in the chat. <laughs> What's up, Alexander? Uh, recommended dose for IGF-1 deaths. Everything I said, 20 milligrams bilaterally uh, for females. So that's 20 micrograms. Yeah, I would just start 20 micrograms or 25 micrograms and just build up depending on your response because not, IG, not all IGF-1 is the same. And not everybody responds the same. And we don't know what else you're doing, but I, you know, you're a competitor. You've been in the chat multiple times. And I remember my sole token female that joins the Vigorous crew um, very well. So uh, I would just start at 25 micrograms bilaterally and then build your way up depending on how you respond and how um, each. Uh, no, no, no housekeeping needed. Thank you. Not needed. That was housekeeping. Let's see. Optimal Yohimba and hydrochloride dose for libido. I don't think it does anything for libido, honestly. Honestly. But if you if you want to try, try like three milligrams one serving. There's no 1.5 milligram uh, Yohimba out there. So you try three milligrams, see if it uh, improves your boner. Try uh, three milligrams of revulsing, uh, see if it improves your boner. And if it doesn't work, then watch the libido videos that I made, which don't include Yohimba or revulsing. But includes uh, the good stuff like Samax, PT one for one, oxytocin, um, optimal uh, sex hormone and neurosteroid balance, and HCG. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, this is the biggest super chat we ever got. AM a thousand, but it's uh, probably it's an Indian currency. A thousand something. What? What? Yeah, I can't even see what the abbreviation stands for. So. All right, AM, please ask your question. Yogi. All right. You try. You want to cut, Steve? Well, I'm, I'm running a terzepidite. So, uh, or no, a retrotrutide. Yeah, do give it a try. So I lost quite a bit of mass. And keep in mind, in Thailand, I always hold a little bit of water. So I look a little bit more fluffy. And I was an Incrolex, so that adds some fullness. But now, I'm, I mean, look, my, my delts are gone. Wearing a black shirt doesn't help either. Of course, I look even more skinny, but you know, surprise bicep, just in case, this is the lean list right now. I mean, look at those stridations. I have some in my, my shit. I have some in my belt as well. See, guys, the Olympia is coming. I can't show up, you know, looking like a fat putt. Nobody's gonna listen to me if I'm fat 
and don't have some muscle mass. And even though I do feel small, it's better to show up lean than show up small and fat. We got enough of those guys in our fitness space already. All right, AM, thanks for whatever this uh, chat, whatever amount that is, probably like 50 cents. <laughs> you never know, right? Anyway, I answer all super chats. Hey, Steve, I'm on a TRT dose of 50 milligrams every four days. Man, that sounds very low. And my hematic is 52.2%. Hemoglobin 17.2%. Red blood cell count 5.58%. Is this a cause of concern? Uh, no, I would increase your TRT dose. Do a sleep study to see if you have sleep apnea. And next time you're going for blood work, drink a liter or one and a half liters of water. Medicare of 52.2% is totally normal on TRT. I think that's uh, top of the reference range. Some of the range is going to 50%. Neglect that. 54% is totally fine. And if you weren't hydrated at the time you did your blood work, do uh, one to one and a half liters of water, drink that. And then you'll see that your aromatic is like 50 or 51%. So keep doing that. And um, that TRT though is very, very low. That's less than 100 milligrams per week. Uh, I would run past your doctor to have a little bit more. Unless they're so conservative that uh, they make you do blood work frequently. And as soon as your aromatic is like uh, over 50, then they pull the testosterone dose down and find a better position. Sushi bra. At what point, what markers would you look at to decide when it's time to incorporate exotic insulin alongside a moderate steroid cycle? Um, hemoglobin A1C, if they keep going up, means that you're not producing enough uh, insulin yourself. Or uh, if your LDL starts going up, because again, you know, if you have a lot of blood glucose and, and you know, a good amount of insulin release, your LDL might get skewed. Uh, what else? Blood pressure. I mean, simply not making enough gains anymore. You're stuck. It doesn't really have to do much with blood work. It just at one point you're such a bodybuilder that you're so consistent. You don't miss workouts. You keep training logs. You do everything right, and then then it's just natural to throw the insulin on top. Yeah, I mean, you keep your diet exactly the same because it should have been good to start with. You throw in the insulin on top, and then you start making adjustments. Just Anivar now, 2.5 milligrams. Yeah. Yeah, so you add in a little bit of IGF-1 this, a little bit of growth hormone, maybe 20 micrograms of clan, 7 kilo DHEA to keep your metabolism going, maybe 25 milligrams of DHEA to increase your testosterone levels. And then uh, you get the synergy. All right, Kratos. Oh, let me, let me take a sip of water for this. Mm. Oh, shit, we've been here for two hours already. Time flies. Uh, February 3rd, thyroid stimulating hormone was at 7. Holy moly. On 5.8, I used growth hormone and 100 micrograms T4. April 4th, thyroid stimulating hormone is 4.43, so it's coming down. Free T3, 4.2, uh, 1.1. I can't remember the exact ranges off the top of my head, uh, Kratos. On 5.6, I used growth hormone 100 micrograms T4, but at least your TSH is coming down. I had one week off 120 micrograms. LR3, so that's IGF-1. Yeah, you're trying to fix as much um, information in there, right? And then TSH uh, shot up again. Only in four IUs of growth hormone, 150 micrograms. So uh, where's your T3 level at? Is that bottomed out? Because what I'm suspecting here is that you're selenium deficient and the deiodinase enzymes are not working uh, as they should because growth hormone increases deiodinase enzyme activity, converts the T4 into T3. 
But it's, of course, the T3 that has a regulatory effect on your thyroid stimulating hormone level, the TSH. So even though free T3 is 4.3, which, let me look at the range. Free T3 reference. Now, don't start complaining if I don't know one of the ranges. I mean, there's hundreds of ranges. All right, what is this? What is what is your concentration? Yeah, don't you don't list the concentration. All right. So I'm assuming it's five grams per milliliter. That means it's at the top of the reference range. Um, so I could assume that the T3 is not downregulating or thyroid stimulating hormone levels. Uh how yeah, but your T4 is also good, right? Hmm. Hmm. I need to see the rest of your blood work to see what's going on. Yeah, I, I need to see the rest of your blood work, Kratos. I can't piece it together with the information that you gave me. Sorry. Send it over by Instagram, please. I'll have a look at it since you uh, super chatted. Send both of your blood work in picture format or email it to vigorsteve.com. Uh, figures vigorous.steve at gmail.com and I'll figure it out. But based on what you give me without the reference ranges, um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what's going on, to be honest. So, to be continued. Uh, sushi bra, is it a simple a matter of when blood glucose, glucose begins to rise as a result of growth hormone? Or what other reason signs would be there when I'll be ready for slim? So you're ready for slim when you've got your bodybuilding dialed in. It has nothing to do with your blood work. It has to do with the consistency of your bodybuilding journey. You're ready for insulin. First, you got to put $100 aside so you can buy that insulin ebook. Then you start reading that. And then you read it again and again and again so you get your money's worth. Right? So you have $20 per read. Read it five times. And then decide if you're ready for insulin. But it has to do with the lifestyle, not with your blood work parameter. If your blood work parameters are shit, you need to fix those first without the insulin before you can add the insulin. Because insulin, um, well, is, 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 yeah, cumbersome for the people who are uninitiated and don't have their lifestyle ready. Let's see. Iron Grid, what's up, bro? Thanks for keeping the chat tidy. Uh, of all statins, why is symphostatin avoided by some? Symphostatin seems to work fine. My stepdad had a cardiovascular problem. He's on symphostatin, reduced his lipids quite significantly. Uh, bloods indicate 80 LDL, 34 L HDL were on it for my stepdad. Okay, so statins in general you would avoid because they inhibit steroidogenesis uh, cascade from the earliest steps before you even have pregnant alone. And it also reduces mitochondrial functioning. So I would not take statins because they make you sore. They uh, reduce all of your neurosteroids. They reduce, um, you know, the protective layer around your membranes. So the membranes around your cell is a very large portion is actually cholesterol. Um, and, and they, uh, right? so you have mitochondrial function, sore, neurogenesis, and cell membrane isolation, right? There's a lot of side effects with statins. I think they're a last resort. I would consider recommending your stepdad azetamide, which just inhibits a cholesterol absorption from the intestinal tract and promotes cholesterol excretion from the liver into the intestinal tract. I would say that his HDL can be higher on azetamide and his LDL can even be lower. 
Yeah. So. Oh, here we go. Alex Carrera, a Gordon Ramsay hamburger for your wife. Thanks for all your help. So we went there uh, the first day when my wife arrived. That's what she was really looking forward to. And unfortunately, $25 no longer cuts it, Alex. Uh, but uh, thanks thanks so much anyway. Uh, the Gordon Ramsay hamburgers are now $35. Hurts. Still tasted good, though. The, the hold on the french fries because i put a boatload of sugar on there i don't know what happened since the last year but it seems that the the, the french fries the the sweet potato fries they just drizzle it in sugar and then the the sauce that they give is super sweet as well so i had to scrape off all the sugar that they put on and didn't use sauce i asked for some ketchup and uh, had my sweet potato fries the old-fashioned way but the the gordon ramsay hamburger is still tasty af albeit that they're now the good ones are like 33.99 yeah, so I spent like $100 at Gordon Ramsay hamburger for two hamburgers, one dessert, two Coke Zeros, uh, or Pepsi Zeros, what they have. And then $20 tip on top. Yeah, my wife was pleased though. So, uh, Alex, uh, thanks so much. That will cover uh, a good portion of our meal. <laughs> much appreciated. Let's see. Uh, Joe Mama. Epic. If I'm running only HCG and not test for fertility reasons and I'm 21, can I still get uh, slightly supervised logical? Dude, if you're 21, you can probably get 15 to 1,700 nanograms per deciliter on your total testosterone levels. Of course, your SHBG will also be high. Your estrogen levels might be a little bit high, but uh, run it for like four weeks at 500 to 1,000 IUs. That seems to be where uh, you know, HCG monotherapy really shines. 500 to 1,000 IUs three times per week. Do that for like uh, two to four weeks. Check your serum levels and uh, report back to us. It's very likely that you're 1,200 to 1,700 nanograms per deciliter when you're only 21. And when you're thinking about fertility at age 21, um, it might be a bit early. You have a life ahead of you. And I would travel the world and become financially secure and, uh, and, 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 and spread the love. And we have to be uh, uh, nice about it because we have female visitors watching. Um, yeah, Alex, to cover your ears, yeah, sp spread the seed, yeah, yeah, but in the condoms first, so you don't get anybody pregnant and enjoy life, man. Uh, having kids at, at 35 to 40 years old is totally fine, takes a little bit longer. Um, but I would not think about fertility when I was 21, dude. When I was 21, I thought about doing the act of fertility with a condom and then uh, going about my business and uh, yeah, uh, ranking up the numbers. <laughs> now at 40, I think about it. Let's see, Alex, how are you liking the Rita True Type? Okay, so I like it so far. Uh, appetite is uh, nicely under control. I'm running one milligram, uh, let's say, every other day, but because I have so many new impressions going so many places, I might have uh, double dipped a little bit and did like one milligram one day, then the next day again, and skip two days or skip one day. I can't really remember. I'm all over the place, obviously, uh, literally, because I've been to uh, Detroit, Columbus, Chicago and Las Vegas, and I got uh, Orlando, Sacramento, and LA to go. So we're about halfway. Um, yeah, but I like it so far. The only thing that I've noticed is after a meal with a lot of sugar, after the Gordon Ramsay hamburger, uh, having a lot of sugar on the, the what, sweet potato fries, uh, you urinate a little bit of glucose. And it, I'm purely going by the smell and how the urine looks. You see all these little um, I don't know, sugar particles, basically. You see that it has like, uh, you know, when you, uh, 
have like hot water and you see all these little lines through the water um that's kind of what it looks like so i'm like hmm, i'm peeing out glucose unfortunately i don't have a glucometer with me and i don't have any uh strips to test for glucose in the urine but i think that's the glucagon so i might run glucose levels a little bit high uh sometimes causing me to pee out the the glucose that's certainly not good not running empirical flows by uh anyway by, by the way but yeah that's that's the only thing that i've noticed so far so um you know it's not the best experiment but I feel that my body fat levels have come down a little bit since arriving, which is rare for somebody moving to the United States with the food options and the caloric contents that everything here seems to contain. Energy lifts. What dose of trisepidide are you taking? I'm uh, uh, going to get my wife on it. So I took one milligram of trisepidide three times a week. That seemed to work well for me. Uh, women would get away with half a milligram of trisepidide. Um, but I haven't touched that for a while. So I, I run retro too tight right now, one milligram on the Wednesday, Friday, or one milligram per injection, basically. And uh, that's so far so good. Yeah, so far so good. But I, I, I need to do uh, better on my glucose levels and uh, seeing if I'm even peeing out the glucose because my blood glucose levels are running high because the glucagon is obviously liberating a lot of glucose. And I feel a little bit flat, but that's also because, you know, the... The, I stopped the Incrolex, obviously, before going to China and then uh, going onwards to the United States. So I was pretty full and pretty dense and pretty strong. And then taking the, the GH out, taking the, the Incrolex out, the IGF-1 and the ACG and the FSH out for a week, in which I just started because the chase hooked me up. Fucking Saints, the lifesaver. Um, so I was off ACG and, and FSH for a week. Yeah, I felt a little skinny. Uh, after a week of off everything uh, now i'm filling out slowly but uh yeah I'm maintaining my body composition quite well if you're going to be at the olympia just come pinch my lower back just say hi first or buy me a drink first and then pinch my lower back i don't want to walk around the expo and people just start pinching my lower back to confirm if i'm still in shape um it's about uh yeah it's about this much i'm doing well all right let's uh let's close it off no more super chats. There's a couple more super chats I want to answer. Uh, Daniel OP, Steve, could you eat as much as you could? Clean bro food on testosterone, annotate blast, and back off based on fasted glucose only. Uh, looking streamlined. <laughs> Shit, that's not a couple. Somebody said I looked aesthetic. Where was that? Somewhere. Oh, yeah, on one of Chase's posts. Steve, Steve is looking aesthetic. Like, Motherfucker. Don't don't call me streamlined and aesthetic. Yeah. I'm hanging on with dear life. Okay? Yeah, give me a break. I'm off off the SSRIs and the testosterone. My uh, I'm fragile as shit. Right? No, that's not true. But yeah. Um yeah, just call me a Lee. Just say Lee. Uh, I'll I'll take that. Anyway, um could you eat as much brown foods and test e blast? No, you can still get fat on that, but it's less likely than eating garbage food. So, uh, like with testosterone dosages, uh, increase your caloric intake. If it's clean broad food, you can do 10% adjustments. And then when the food is making you fat, you increase the testosterone with another increment of an ampule or a milliliter, right? So if you're on 500 tests and 5,000 calories and 5,500 calories is making you fat, um, then you increase the testosterone from 500 tests to a 750 test, for example, that's a 50% bump um of course you need to do your blood work for weeks into that and you know manipulate your blood uh, 
your estrogen levels with an aromatized inhibitor or or you know splitting up between 350 375 test and 375 uh, primo or mastrone or boldenone whatever you prefer all right you increment your uh, foods and then you increment your drugs and then uh, you can hopefully recomp on that increment of drugs to the point that 5,500 calories is uh, at least making you uh, look leaner by increasing your muscle mass or actually making you recomp because your metabolic rate is already that sky high. Of course, will you get nasty shredded? Probably not. But yes, you can re recomp of 5,500 calories. I've done it many times when I was still 250, 255, 260 pounds. So, yeah. Stoic intellectual. If some, uh, if taking hormones like trimbalone can that influence sexual desire in straight men, then theoretically, how could manipulating hormones potentially alter the attraction uh, of pedos in adults? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but the pedos, they should get a bulk load of uh, triptorellin, uh, and that's actually what they're prescribed. Uh, sexual deviancy, uh, I mean, it's fucking disgusting, obviously, that uh, sexual deviancy. I mean, they should be castrated. 100% and executed, in my opinion, as uh, I'm going to become a uh, a parent soon, or at least at one point. Yeah, I, I would I would do it once and just execution. Fuck off. Anyway, uh, can somebody turn you into a pedo if you take steroids? You never know, right? I mean, trembolone, testosterone, higher doses, it, 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 it can lead to sexual deviancy. And if you already have something underlying, it, uh, yeah, it might turn you. So if you uh, notice that, uh, come off the train and uh, slap yourself across the face and straighten the fuck out. You know, if you want to be gay, fine. But anything underage, it's not cool, dude. Not cool. Death penalty. All right. Cool. Oh, well, that's not really a nice place to close it off, right? <laughs> that's not really a cool place to close off this uh, live stream. All right, will you be going to the Olympia Amateur? No, I will uh, arrive on November 1st, and I think that's the last day of the Olympia Amateur. So you'll see me walking around at all the events from November 2nd onwards, because we arrived quite late on November 1st. And then I'm going to go straight to bed when we checked into the hotel. And then, uh, and then the next day we'll be uh, running around. Hopefully, climatizing to the time zone. Um, yeah, I might have to get some adapter. Just going back and forth all over America. It's not easy. All right, guys, let's uh, close it off. I don't see anything else that I really want to answer. Uh, this this always sounds good. Steve, I love you so much. Thanks for everything you do. You saved lives many times, or you saved many lives. Same stuff. I've lost 94 pounds now. Thanks. Okay, that's freaking awesome. That's freaking awesome. Nice work. Evolutionary performance. Who's going to win the Olympia? Uh, Derek Lonsberg. Yeah, or I'm going to choke out Steve Weinberg. I'm not too far from the... the, the no, I, I won't. But I think the way Derek Lonsberg looks and the way that uh, Honey Rambot dolls uh, in his athletes, I would like to see Derek Lonsberg win. All right, guys. Let's close it off. Um... All right, Luke is competing. Hopefully, I'll be getting my pro card. Okay, if you get your pro card, come to the expo, and uh, you get the big one, right? So just walk around with the walk around in shape with your medal and your trophy and your pro card, and uh, get some followers and sponsorships out of it. Right? You never know.
All right, guys, uh, peace out. We're going to end it here. Thanks again so much for joining. Uh, two and a half hours. I think that's long enough on my holiday. Next weekend, I'll be in uh, Las Vegas. So we might do, we'll probably do a live stream on the 5th because uh, I'll be at the expo on the 4th. So uh, count on the live stream being on Sunday, November 5th. And then on November 11th, I travel back home, arrive on November 12th or maybe even 13th. So the weekend after that, it will be no live stream, but uh, we can do a, lo a little bit of an Olympia wrap up on November 5th. Yeah. All right. Peace out. Uh, enjoy. And I'll see you guys next weekend. And if you see me at the, uh, the expo at the Mr. Olympia, just come up and say hi. Don't be shy. Um, I'm always happy to talk to anybody who's part of the Vigorous crew. Yeah. So see you guys there. Peace out.